You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. It's not over yet. No. There is another. Hey there, Star Wars fans. Welcome back to Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, as well as Rogue One, Episodes 8 and 9, all the other uh, anthology films coming out, including one newly announced one that we have to talk about today. Um, but, you know, we'll be talking all of these uh, new and fun and exciting uh, updates in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Kyle, doing good. Hey, man, just another great week in Star Wars land, really. <laughs> we got Comic-Con, some cool announcements. So, yeah, a lot of cool stuff to talk about on this episode. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, the big thing to talk about this week, San Diego Comic-Con just happened. Um, actually, as of us recording this, it's still going on because it's Sunday afternoon. But uh, we're pretty sure all the big announcements and stuff are done and over with. Uh, we've certainly got plenty of Star Wars stuff to talk about from that convention. But... Um, you know, since it hasn't been too long since our last episode, and uh, since especially just this past week, it seems like leading up to Comic Con, there was actually uh, a lot more Star Wars stuff than, or you know, more news and stuff than I thought there would be. Um, I thought all the the big stuff would come out during the weekend over Comic Con, and then it just seemed like you know every other day that week there was like oh something else and something yeah. new and some new announcement and a new app and whatever. So um, we're gonna actually kind of start off talking about. Some of the smaller stuff, um, although there's a couple big news items in here as well, um, just, you know, kind of smaller by comparison to the uh, the Comic-Con panel, obviously. And then we'll talk about all that big stuff from Comic-Con at the end of the episode. So uh, stay tuned and we will uh, get through all of this and talk about some cool stuff here. So um, first off, the first thing we're going to jump into, um, this was just announced, um, you know, like I said, just this past week, July 7th. So uh, this past Tuesday, I guess. Um, it was announced on StarWars.com, you know, big official announcement. This isn't just some rumor or anything. Um, that Christopher Miller and Phil Lord, who uh, directed the Lego Movie and Twenty One Jump Street, and I think are they? They're doing some upcoming superhero movie, right? Yeah, they're actually attached to do the Flash live action movie. But okay. I don't know if that's still in their plans now. At least I think they're going to be part of the creative process of the story. But I think they were before in talks to be directors of that. But I'm not sure if that's the case anymore. Okay. Yeah. For some reason, I was thinking they were doing the, the next Spider-Man movie. But maybe I just heard a rumor that they were. No, you know, they're, that's actually that too. There were rumors to do an animated Spider-Man movie. For oh, Spider-Man. okay. Um, a lot of their play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But anyways, uh, it was announced that those two guys will be directing the next Star Wars anthology film after Star Wars Rogue One. And not only did we get the announcement of the directors, but they actually confirmed that this uh, anthology film will be the standalone Han Solo movie. I almost said the solo Han Solo film, and thank you <laughs> for myself before I did that. But um, yeah, so we're getting a Han Solo movie in 2018, I believe. 
Yeah. Um, I'm scrolling through the StarWars.com article here, but yeah, so the the movie is slated for release on May 25th, 2018. Um, so it seems like they're uh, you know they're going back to the summer release dates after I guess after Episode Seven and Rogue One because that's uh, coming out December of 2016, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then when I first saw that, like even with Episode Eight, like oh cool, they're going back to the summer May traditional Star Wars releases. But I don't know. We'll have to see how it works with uh, Episode Seven and Rogue One because December might end up being the better release time. I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out. But yeah, I mean. With the uh, the Christmas release date, obviously you've kind of got a longer period of time that you can keep dragging it out and making more money. Um, the, it probably won't have like as big of an immediate uh, release. Well, although I mean, for Episode Seven, it's going to make huge amounts of money during the the opening weekend, anyways. But um, sometimes those numbers are a little bit lower in winter time because of you know snowstorms and weather and whatever in certain parts of the country. Um, but then, and you know, people are, you know, traveling for the holidays and stuff like that too. So sometimes not everybody goes to see it right when it comes out, but then through like January and February, there aren't usually a whole lot of big releases that, uh, you know, are going to take away box office money from a, a huge movie like star Wars. So, I mean, that's why avatar is the number one movie of all time right now with what 2.5 billion or something that, mm-hmm. that it's got. It's because it came out. You know, the, I, I think the same day that episode seven came out, uh, December 18th. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think it made like 75 million its first weekend, which is good, but it's not, you know, a huge number. And then it actually made more than that its second weekend and then just kept making money weekend after weekend because, you know, people liked it and there was, you know, a whole lot of hype around it and everybody was like, oh, I got to go check this out. But also there wasn't really anything that it was competing with, so. Yeah, that's a good point too. So, oh, so we have to wait and see with Rogue One and the Force Awakens. Maybe Disney was well, let's see how much money it makes in the Christmas release. We'll say, oh, we got to go back to that <laughs> instead of what doing the traditional Star Wars release with May. Or maybe those with Episode Eight and the Han Solo movies they will make just as much money, and it doesn't matter. So <laughs> with Star Wars, I kind of think it doesn't matter, but you never know. Like we've said before a lot, we're kind of going into uncharted territory with the release for the Force Awakens and then Rogue One and the Winter Time. So. It's kind of a wait-and-see approach. It's going to make money regardless. That's for darn sure. But just if the dates actually do matter is going to be what we're going to find out in just five months. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and then they also announced here in this article that uh, the movie is, the screenplay for the movie is going to be written by Lawrence Kasdan, who, of course, you know, wrote uh, the original – worked on the original trilogy with Empire and Jedi and then – um, is also writing episode seven along with JJ Abrams, but he's also co-writing it with his son, John Kasdan, um, which is pretty cool. I mean, I didn't know that he had a son who was also a screenwriter, but, uh, I mean, how cool would it be to get to write a star Wars movie alongside your dad? Um, and then, you know, obviously with Kasdan being involved with, uh, the screenplays for empire and Jedi, it's just like, there's not really a, a more perfect choice to write a Han Solo standalone movie. Um, so I, I think this is probably going to be in good hands. So there's no announcement yet as to who's going to be playing Han. And obviously we're assuming it's going to be a younger version of the character. Um, although I don't think they said anything about that here in the article. They just said it's going to be a Han Solo anthology film, but, um, well, they did say that it's going to be, we're going to see how a young Han Solo became the smuggler, thief and scoundrel whom Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan first encountered in the cantina most likely. Oh, okay. Yep. There you go. The official um, goal on StarWars.com. So it's definitely going to be a younger actor. And we've already, like, right when this was announced, we of course, you're going to hear all fans and people's ideas of who should be 
the next Han Solo, but you're, like, you're hearing like Chris Pratt because he's been rumored for a young Indiana, for another rebooted Indiana Jones series, and you hear other well-known actors right now that are stars in Hollywood. But I think it's gonna be, and I almost think they have to go with someone who's totally unknown, and because it's gonna be, it says right here, a young Han Solo, so it's gonna be a real young actor. And yeah, this is. I was super excited to get this announcement because, I mean, we've heard a Han Solo standalone movie, I think, almost from the very, very beginning, like after we got the Episode 7 announcement and found out there was going to be standalone movies. So it's really cool to finally get that confirmed. But my only thing is, man, they got to nail this casting. And I've said that before, how it's, they just have to be perfect in order for this movie to work because you're playing a young version of an iconic character by an iconic actor. So... They really gotta. I mean, you know they are. They're not gonna, just gonna cast anybody, but it just has to be perfect. Why when they nail this down and start production for it? Because yeah, it's it's gonna be big shoes to fill. Whoever lands this role, but again, with the creative forces behind this, with uh, Kaz and scripts, and then with Phil and Lord and Chris Miller behind it, and of course, Kathleen Kennedy producing. You know they're gonna do everything they can to get the perfect actor. So uh, it's not really a big concern, but it's just something that they have to do and i think they are going to do so we'll have to wait and see till we get that announcement it'll probably be a while too since it's not coming out to 2018 but it's cool to finally know for sure what the second anthology film was going to be with about a young han solo and who knows what's going to show up later in this movie or other characters are going to show up in this movie also because keep hearing rumors about a boba fett anthology film or him and han solo are going to be a part of the same movie so is Boba Fett going to be involved with this one, or are they saving him for the third anthology? Still unknown questions as far as that. So, But some of these rumors we've been hearing early on are finally kind of coming to fruition with this young Han Solo movie. So it's exciting, and just another Star Wars project to add to the list of stuff to be excited about. Now we got four, or actually five ones officially that we know are coming in the next five years with the three saga movies and now the two anthology films that we know are for sure happening so it's awesome yeah definitely although for me i mean this one isn't even really on like my hype radar yet um where you know it's like it's cool that they're making it i i am definitely excited to go see it when it comes out but i'm not like oh my gosh i can't wait for this movie it's gonna be awesome because mm. all that energy is channeled into the force awakens right now um and you know with rogue one going to be starting production here pretty soon i'm you know i'm going to start getting pretty excited for that one as well and this one's still you know three years away so i can wait but it's yeah. it's uh definitely going to be exciting when it gets here and as for you know a boba fett standalone film i still think that could definitely be a possibility but i would be fine just seeing uh you know boba fett be a main character in this han solo yeah movie me too. And just kind of be you know the the main villain i mean it could even tell the story of um you know the the thing they kind of reference in the movies where han is smuggling for jabba and has to drop his cargo with the first sign of an imperial starship and whatever and then maybe uh you know jabba gets mad at him for for losing his stuff and sends boba fett out to track him down um, and you kind of see this Han and Boba Fett rivalry going on, and it's, uh, you know, kind of all just feeding into that backstory of the OT, so. Yeah, I think they're going to go way earlier in the timeline, like Han Solo, like maybe late teens, early 20s, things, kind of like maybe 10 years before New Hope, something like that, where, because it does say in the script, and we're going to find out how we became the smuggler and scoundrel that we all know and love from A New Hope. So if we can get that, but at the same time, like you said, have Boba Fett be the main villain of the story and maybe kind of see like his first like big bounty mission or something like that. And kind of see how he 
comes into his own as a bounty hunter, that'd be pretty cool too. And I think it works because um, with the rumors of a Boba Fett standalone movie and wanting to focus on him, it would, and you always hear, or we have heard reports too about wanting to go back to like getting Boba Fett the man with no name, the mystery. Um, that would be kind of hard to do if he was a focus of a Zone anthology film. Yeah, but if he's exactly. part of Han Solo, you can definitely go with that, where he doesn't have to have his mask off if you want to keep that mystery, even though we all know he's a clone of Jango Fett. <laughs> but if it makes some of those other people happy who wanted to be the man of mystery, they can do that, where he just plays the more silent villain type in this Han Solo movie. So it'd be really cool, I think, if he's in this as his main villain. Yeah, I would love to see that. And I, I think there's a good chance that he will show up in this movie, even if it's not like a Han and Boba Fett sort of co-starring movie, if Boba Fett just kind of has a small role in this movie and then still ends up getting his own standalone film later on, I still think he'll probably have some kind of appearance in this movie. Because um, then also, I still think there's room to uh you know if they decide they want to go with the whole story of boba fett surviving the sarlacc pit i think that would be a good story for a boba fett standalone mm. movie and you know show him uh getting out of there and you know then see what else he's up to in between uh episode six and seven there yeah exactly um, and then also i mean as in terms of the actor um you know like you said there's been a lot of rumors about you know chris pratt and some other big hollywood a-listers but one of the biggest names that i've heard going around in some of the rumors and stuff is this guy named anthony in gruber i think his yeah. name is um and he's kind of a lesser known actor but i guess he kind of got famous on youtube because like as a teenager and i guess like he's in his 20s now but when he was like 18 or something he posted a video on youtube of him doing some impressions of harrison ford characters and he's pretty spot on and looks you know he, he's got uh pretty much got the look down um, I mean, he's not like a, a dead-on twin of him or anything, but, um, you know, he looks pretty close to how a, a young Han Solo might look. Um, and then I guess uh, as he got older and actually got into professional acting, he played a younger version of Harrison's Ford character in the movie uh, Age of Adeline, I think it was. Mm. Um, and so, and I mean, from what I've heard, I haven't actually seen that, but I've, you know, heard just reactions from other fans saying he was really good in that or that he... Uh, you know, was really convincing as a young Harrison Ford. So I'm sure he's got to be at least on their radar and, uh, you know, maybe a possible front runner for the role, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I mean, so imagine if that, if you are him, who just someone who put a YouTube videos up then got cast to play young Harrison Ford in a movie and then getting cast to play young Han Solo. <laughs> That'd be amazing for that actor. That does happen. But yeah. And honestly, I mean, they, I, I do agree that they have to have somebody who really is believable as Han and, and sells it that he could be a young Harrison Ford. But at the same time, you want someone who, you know, more than anything is a good actor who makes you like the character and, uh, you know, puts on a good performance. And, I mean, you don't really want someone to just do a Harrison Ford impression for exactly, the entire time yeah. because he's not going to you know, you'll be able to tell that's not Harrison Ford. Like that's not going to fool anybody because we all know Harrison Ford is 70 and they didn't film this movie back in the sixties or seventies or whatever. So, um, you know, you, you want someone who can sort of capture that essence and, you know, who definitely looks close enough to him and can emulate some of the same mannerisms and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time can maybe take a little bit of his own spin on it and not just be trying to do, a Harrison Ford impression for the the entire movie because that might uh, you know it's going to pull the audience out of it a little bit because again as you know as good of an impression as you might be able to do you're not going to be you're not going to be young Harrison Ford so yep yeah so this goes back to me you got to nail this to find the perfect actor not only who looks like him but then who has like the same like attitude of 
Han Solo and Harrison Ford in that movie down, and like the personality traits, the mannerisms, everything. I mean, you got <laughs> it just got to be nailed. Otherwise, any little thing that makes you that takes you out of it's going to hurt the movie at all. If someone who doesn't nail that part, and like you said, but not just being an impression of it either. I actually heard some criticisms about that for some of the. Uh, Star Trek characters and the J.J. Abrams reboot. I think I've heard that about uh, Bones, of him uh, be just being kind of like an impression of it. I don't find it that way. I think it's, he does a great great job of being a young Henry McCoy as far as uh, the, the Star Trek movies are concerned. But I know that can be something that could be taken, like take people out of the movie experience if someone just feels, oh, they're just doing an impression like you said. So, yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting. I mean, I mean it's got to it's gotta nail it. <laughs> yeah, it would be perfect if he could just do you know, g- give as good of a performance as Han as uh, Ewan McGregor did as Obi-Wan in the prequels. Exactly, yeah. But the the difference there is I think Ewan had a little bit more wiggle room to work with because he's playing Obi-Wan, you know, 40 to or 30 to 40 years before A New Hope. Um, and so I think like for at least for me in Phantom Menace when I'm watching him, it's like, okay, I can, you know, buy that as a young Obi-Wan. He doesn't really sound or act or really even look all that much like Alec Guinness, but you know, he's like 20 years old and he's a Padawan and whatever. So, you know, obviously a lot's changed by then. And then with each passing movie, um, I think a, because, you know, he, he gets more experience as the character and does a better job with the performance, but then also just story-wise, you know, as he moves closer to, uh, the character that we see in episode four, um, you know, by the time of Revenge of the Sith, it's like, yeah, I don't want to say a perfect impression, but it's it's like, you know, it's different enough that it's 30 years earlier, but it's it's a just a perfect job of like I can totally see that being Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan yep. 30 years in the past. Uh or 20 years, I guess. Um Yeah, cause it's 20 between Revenge of the Sith and New Hope. I knew that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, so I, I think he did a great job there. Now, obviously with this movie, um, unless they're gonna make it about like a teenage Han, which we're probably all hoping they don't do, um, then, you know, he's maybe only going to be like five or 10 years younger than, uh, than Han was at the beginning of a new hope. So it won't be quite as much of an age gap there. So you will kind of have to be a little bit more close in terms of, uh, you know, like I said, the look and the mannerisms and stuff like that, but at the same time, not just doing an impression all the time. So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, you know, like I said, don't want to spend too much time analyzing it right now. Cause that's still, way down the line but uh it's definitely cool to know that this is on the slate of stuff coming up yeah real quick though as, as far as uh christopher miller and phil lord i mean they're mainly known for doing more like comedy type movies i mean the lego movie the 21 jump street and some of the what was the, they did another animated movie oh the cloudy with the chance of meatballs that was another yeah one. Oh. and i think aren't they also making a a lego batman movie right now yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay so are you do does that did it pop into your head at all? Like the tone of this Han Solo movie? Is it going to be more on, I don't want to make, say like a comedy, but maybe have more comedic elements that we more than we're used to in a normal Star Wars movie? Or, see, I'm taking it, it's, it's definitely going to have some like funny moments and like comedic stuff in it because Han Solo, I mean, he's a wisecracking character. So there'll be some funny moments. So, but I'm kind of thinking it's going to be more kind of what uh, the Russo brothers did for uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, because they were mainly known for doing like, the TV shows, uh, I believe it was Community was they were working on, but uh, then they just proved themselves to do like a really awesome action movie. So just 
basically doing a big like 180 as far as a different genre that they're capable of. So I'm kind of thinking it's going to be more on that front where these guys are going to be jumping into new territory as far as uh, their capabilities as directors and doing something that's different from their normal comedy stuff that they've done in the past. Yeah, I, I feel the exact same way. I, I'm not really trying to judge the project based on the stuff that they've done in the past because, I mean, it seems like this is a trend in Hollywood nowadays where they're you know, I, I guess maybe trying to make stuff fresher or newer or whatever, but they're they're hiring a lot of um, either younger directors or just sort of lesser known directors who, uh, you know, like you said, are doing more TV shows or indie films or, uh, you know, like lower budget comedies and horror movies and that kind of thing um, and saying like, hey – this guy is, is really talented and just hasn't really gotten his big break yet, but you know, he's got kind of a, a unique perspective on the whole thing that we could uh, bring in. And uh, you know, so you've got guys like James Gunn directing guardians of the galaxy and the Russo brothers doing captain America. And these guys from the Lego movie now directing a star Wars movie. Um, and uh, what's the name? Colin Trevorrow doing Jurassic world too. Um, yeah. Obviously I think in all the previous cases, they've proven that uh you know, the, those big blockbusters that they're doing don't have too much of like a, you know, obvious shades of their previous work in there. So, um, I mean, and obviously I would expect a movie about a young Han Solo to be kind of lighthearted and fun and adventurous and everything anyways. Um, but I definitely think obviously for a live action Star Wars movie, it's got to be more serious than the Lego movie. And I don't think they're gonna have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously like JJ or not JJ, but, uh, Kathleen Kennedy and, uh, you know, the people at Lucasfilm and Disney and everything who've, you know, probably spent a, a long time interviewing people for this movie and, uh, you know, talking to these guys about their ideas and their skill set and all that kind of stuff. They're convinced that these guys can make a good Star Wars movie. So I will take their word for it. Yep. Same here. I do think though, is this the movie that Josh Trank left? I mean, there's been... Like some conflicting reports, not from StarWars.com or Lucasfilm or anything, but some of the other trade websites where this isn't the movie that Josh Trank was doing and this was the third anthology film, but now it's bumped up because Josh Trank left. And then I've heard other reports that, no, this actually was what Josh Trank was working on. So there has been nothing officially about if that was the case or not. But I do find it interesting if this was what Josh Trank did leave and they were able to bring in Phil and Phil Lord and Chris Miller to take over of this or they were always their choice for another anthology film. So be curious to see if we ever find out what actually happens. I think there was a report, I think on the Disney like official blog or there was somewhere, something on like a Disney website where they were saying we'd find more information about this at Comic-Con and we didn't get anything really about any of the anthology films and, and this one too. So it's still up in the air, but I'm curious if we'll ever find out what, if this was Josh Trank's project or not. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm actually looking on his Twitter feed right now to see if he happened to tweet like, Hey guys, that wasn't my movie or something. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard some of those same reports that he was working on a different movie, but, um, who knows if we'll ever actually find that out. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's another one of those things. Probably if they don't make any official announcements, we'll just have to wait for those like behind the scenes or making of books or documentaries will eventually get when these movies come out. Yeah. But I mean, it does kind of make sense that, um, 
you know, based on some of the reports I've heard that this wasn't his movie, that once he left, um, you know, they decided to, to bump up a different movie, bring on directors to do that. And because he spent, you know, almost a year, like, working on sort of developing whatever anthology film he was going to do. And, uh, you know, so obviously he was pretty entrenched in that. And then they're going to have to go through the process of finding another director, bringing them on board. And then, um, you know, that director might want to rework some stuff or, you know, make some changes to the script, kind of do things differently to, to fit their own style. So, um, you know, they, they might have put that one on the back burner to sort of allow more time for, you know, the retinkering or reworking or whatever they got to do. So, yeah. All the scenarios seem plausible <laughs> for what the case is with the hot solo standalone movie. So, yeah, we'll just wait and see. We will definitely wait and see. We will wait a long time and wait impatiently for the Force Awakens in the meantime. Yeah, we got three other Star Wars movies to look forward to before we get this one. So it's not all yeah. bad <laughs> with the waiting. Yeah. So uh, speaking of Episode Seven, let's talk about a couple of pieces of concept art we've got here from making Star Wars. Well, one of them is an actual piece of concept art. One is just a description of one. Um, but they've got a new piece of concept art here that they're claiming is, uh, you know, a version of the Maz Kanata character that, uh, Lupita Nyong'o is playing. Now this looks different from a concept we'd seen a while ago where she looks blue. This one, um, is sort of like brownish orange instead of blue. And is also, it's a, it's slightly different, uh, looking head as well. It's not quite as like flat with the wide mouth like the other one had. Um, and it's just kind of got like a long neck and it looks like she's, puffing on a, a some kind of pipe or something um but it's interesting because uh you know obviously we'll talk about uh, a little bit later some of the stuff they showed at the comic-con panel but um there was a creature that they showed that looked pretty much exactly like this um so whether or not this is actually what maz Kanata looks like um this certainly seems to be uh you know legitimate as far as um, being an actual new creature that's going to be in the movie, whether it's you know, Maskinata or some other alien character. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards it is Maskinata um, for the reasons you've mentioned, like we'll talk about later what's behind the scenes video. But even that sh one quick shot in the second teaser we got where the character's handing Luke's lightsaber over to Leia, it kind of has the same like uh, skin color and tones that this concept art has. And it's kind of hard to see the face in that shot in the teaser but it does look pretty similar at least with the nose and kind of how the mouth shape is where it could be the same as this concept art and yeah if it is Maz Kanata I will say that on one hand from the previous concept arts that we saw with the more blue uh, the bluish tone creature I did like that skin color tone with the blue but I wasn't a big fan of like the, the characters like that, how uh, she looked in those concept arts I do like this one here it looks I don't know. To me, it just looks more of a better designed alien-looking creature than that one. But I did like the blue tone that the previous concept art had, so I was kind of hoping that we'd have this version of Masconata, but just have the skin tone be blue, because I think that just looks cooler. But <laughs> if not, no big deal, because I think overall, the visually, this one, I think the design looks better than the previous concept arts that we saw. So again, we'll just have to wait and see until we finally get our first official look at Maz Kanata, which I was hoping we'd get over this past Comic-Con weekend, but we didn't, so we'll have to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, hopefully in the uh, the next trailer, which supposedly is coming out sometime in the fall, but... Yeah, um, next trailer, hopefully all these side characters that are slowly getting revealed over the past few months are all featured in that trailer, so we can finally see what they look like. Yeah, I just want to see Maz Kanata and Luke and Snoke. Who we're going to talk about next. Um, 
so then they've got a uh, just a description of a piece of concept art for Supreme Leader Snoke. Um, the main thing here that's interesting of note is they say he's, uh, you know, very reptilian looking. Um, but I mean, I'll just go ahead and read this here. It says, Snoke wears a black kimono with an outer robe and off-white robe underneath it. The robe is very Japanese in style. You can see the white or light tan colored under robe sticking out of the sleeves. His waist dress is made of wrappings like a mummy, but they aren't tight around his legs, but rather flow out like a skirt and completely reach to the floor. The collar of the garment is quite high and reaches from the collarbone all the way up to the chin area. Um, and then it says, Snoke is not human. His head is shaped like a snake, a cobra, perhaps slightly flatter and wider. Um, his eyes are pitch black and reptilian. His mouth is closed, but sort of bulbous. You can't see his teeth and he has an angry sneer about him. Um, but then they also note that, you know, this could be an earlier concept. They, they, uh, noted that they thought it looked kind of rough and that it's probably been developed more since then. Um, so this might not be the final design of how the character looks, but it'll probably be, um, you know, some sort of black robe looking garment and that he's sort of a, a reptilian alien and that he's, uh, as they put, looks very evil and pissed off. So, um, <laughs> As did Andy Serkis in that. As did Andy Serkis in that picture, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping this does pan out to where this is will what Lord Snoke will look like. Maybe not exactly like a snake, but I like the idea of him being more of a reptilian type uh, alien species. I think that would look cool, and then putting that with like the Japanese style garment in the kimono, something different than the traditional like robes that we see the Jedi and even uh, Emperor Palpatine wear. So it'd be. Definitely something different and cool visually if this is what Supreme Leader Snoke is going to look like. So, man, when I read this, it just made me more anxious to see <laughs> what he is actually going to look like in the final movie. If it's going to be something like this or something totally different. But if they keep the same idea of having it be some type of reptilian-looking character, I think that would be really cool. Because I always yeah. like designs of like alien creatures that are more looking like snakes or like, crocodiles and stuff like that. So that would be pretty cool. Yeah. And again, I mean, I've said this before that just knowing, I mean, some of the stuff that we knew about the Empire and the old EU and stuff like that, it seemed kind of hard to believe uh, that, you know, the, the remnants of the Empire would be following an alien character. Um, and, you know, Admiral Thrawn was one thing, but he was pretty much human but blue. Um, whereas this guy is like all cobra looking and stuff. I'm like, you know, it's kind of something different than you'd expect, but at the same time just makes me excited to learn about the character and it's like well if they did keep some of those elements of you know the empire being anti-alien and stuff like that like how commanding and uh, persuasive must this guy be that he's getting everybody to follow his lead now so i'm pretty excited to find out more about that i guess one thing that maybe made me a little disappointed was that once i read that you know he looks like a snake and a cobra and everything um you know, the, I had just kind of started getting used to the name, you know, Supreme Leader Snoke. Like, obviously, when that was first announced, people were like, huh, what? That sounds kind of funny or lame or whatever. But um, it, it's one of those things kind of just like people said the same thing about Captain Phasma, where after a while, after you've said it enough times and heard other people say it, it just kind of becomes natural. And it's like, OK, that's just the name of the character. Um, but then it's like, oh, well, it made him look like a snake and just changed one letter and called him Snoke. But whatever. <laughs> yeah it's all going to tie in together the name the look maybe some secrets about lord snoke because <laughs> if there were because uh, i 
our friend Paul said it best when he described Snoke. It's the word snake and Snoke kind of, or snake and smoke combined into one word. And if you know how like sneaky snakes can be and smoke that hides a certain stuff. So maybe there's more to this character, which I, there's got to be. There's going to be some secret about Lord Snoke than they're revealing so far. Maybe we'll even get in the movie and down the line we'll get revealed. But we'll, we shall see. I think everything's going to come is being done for a reason with this character, the name, the look, and whatever secrets that he holds later on. So <laughs> this is one character, like you said, Kyle, I really can't wait to find more about of as we lead up to the film and during the film, after the film, if he survives, if he is the main, like this version, this uh, sequels trilogy is Palpatine. So yeah, we'll just, again, once we get that next trailer, like we said, with masking out, this is the other character I definitely want to see, whether it's just, a quick shot or something just to see visually what he's going to finally look like is going to be really cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then the, the last sort of rumor slash, you know, unconfirmed report that we've got, um, this actually pertains to episode eight, I guess. Um, and they're saying that, uh, a Hong Kong newspaper reported that, uh, actor Donnie Yen, who's, uh, you know, a martial artist and been in a lot of martial arts movies, um, has been cast in episode eight. Um, and, you know, not really much uh, elaboration on it other than that. Just, uh, you know, I guess this might have been dropped in some newspaper somewhere. Um, yeah, but I hope it's true, though, because I've, I've seen the Ant Man movies that he's done, and those are really good. And he's a great actor and a great fighter, too. So if they're going to get someone of his caliber to be in a Star Wars movie, I mean, I'd be totally down for that. I just hope that it'd be nice if it's kind of like the next main character to be introduced into episode eight kind of like how lando was brought in and empire strikes back as the next big character to join the big three so if he could be that type of character i think that'd be really cool to have someone like him in a star wars movie so hopefully this is true yeah and you know at the uh the episode seven panel um someone was asking a question about diversity and you know among the mm -hmm. cast and stuff and asked if there would be any asians in the movie and jj was like go asians and so yeah um yeah, yeah maybe yeah. this is a lead into that too, where they're already starting that process for episode eight. Yeah, possibly. Um, and I mean, he also said that, uh, you know, there would be Asians in episode seven too, that you just haven't seen yet. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, plenty more, um, you know, actors and, uh, you know, different diverse looking people and stuff are going to be added to this down the line. But, um, you know, of course, not surprising that, uh, that they're adding another martial arts actor. We've heard, you know, some more rumors and stuff about people like that being in episode seven as well. So, um, we'll just have to wait and see how that all pans out and find out if they're playing Jedi or Sith or space ninjas or whatever else. So, uh, space ninjas has a nice ring to it. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? I mean, that's basically what Darth Maul was, but yeah. <laughs> First Order Space Ninjas. That'll be like... Oh, see, that sounds even cooler. <laughs> That'd be like another division of the First Order. You got the Stormtroopers, then you got your Space Ninjas division. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I want no an official badge really now cool. that says, you know, member of the First Order Space Ninjas division. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could be um, like the next version of the Bible first. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's kind of a leap, but whatever. It's yeah. cool. It works. <laughs> Um, and then we've also got, uh, another rumor about the plot and some characters for Rogue One. Um, now this one's pretty cool. Uh, and this is actually coming from, I guess, bloodydisgusting.com. I've never heard of that before, but there you go. Um, <laughs> you know, everybody's got their scoops and their sources on Star Wars news nowadays. 
Um, and they're reporting that, uh, you know, I, I guess some source of theirs shared information about Rogue One and said, uh, Bendels- Ben Mendelssohn's new Moff character is indeed the big baddie of Rogue One. The other main villains of the piece are bounty hunters hired by the Moff to quietly retrieve the stolen Death Star plans at all costs. Vader factors in once he realizes that the plans have been stolen, so he joins the hunt in a supporting role and is none too pleased. These bounty hunters include Boba Fett, Fett, Bosk, Dengar, Zuckus, Forlom, IG-88, and, wait for it, Cad Bane, uh, who is from the Clone Wars and is making his live-action debut. There might be some new ones as well, but that's the core group, so Fett will absolutely appear on screen again in in a semi-main role before his solo film. Um, That sounds way freaking cool to me. Um, In fact, I had missed this rumor or whatever when uh, you first posted it, Tim. And so I was, you know, just kind of going through all these stories again, right before we recorded. And I saw this and I was reading it and I just kind of read through all that list of bounty hunters, you know, Boba Fett, Bosk, Dengar, Zuckus, Forlom, IG-88, Cad Bane. And nothing really stood out to me, um, you know, aside from the fact that Boba Fett would be in it. Cause you're just so used to seeing all those names together nowadays, um, you know, after the Clone Wars when Boba and Bosk and Cad Bane and all these guys would be in episodes together. Um, and so, you know, I kind of just like glossed right over Cad Bane at first. And then I saw, I saw, uh, you know, it's followed up where it says who is from Clone Wars and making his live action debut. I'm like, wait a minute, which one are they talking about? Cause I know we saw like Bosk and Dengar in Clone Wars, but that wasn't like the first time we saw him. And I backed up. I was like, Whoa, Cad Bane live action movie. What? <laughs> I know, man. Can you imagine just if that does pan out or, this report is true and you see Cad Bane live action regardless of just being cool I think that'd be just kind of trippy in a way just seeing someone from the Clone Wars actually in live action that'd be such a cool experience to <laughs> have be brought into one of the movies but I don't know just we've heard reports about a bounty hunter like heist movie before so this kind of leads into the previous rumors we've heard in regards to that so it gives it a little more weight and but the one thing I was questioning on this report how it says um uh, ben Mendelssohn's Moff character sends these bounty hunters up to retrieve the stolen Death Star plans. I, because you kind of think that before Rogue One is about the rebel soldiers stealing the Death Star plans, but is it going to be where they have it already? Or in the beginning, they get the plans, they have it, and then the Moff sends the bounty hunters to get it back from them. So I don't know. It doesn't seem to fit quite right as far as who's stealing the plans. Is it the rebels or these bounty hunters getting it back? I still kind of think that it's the original information we heard where the it's the rebel soldiers in the movie is about them attempting to steal a Death Star plan. So that's going to be the main plot of the whole movie instead of them getting it earlier on. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But Bounty Hunters still can play a factor in the movie regardless of they're trying to get it back or not. So it's like you said, it's one of those reports that you really hope is true because how cool would it be to see all these characters on screen, especially Cad Bane for the first time. <laughs> It'd be yeah. really, really trippy. Yeah, I mean, it, it would certainly be awesome. I kind of had the same reaction you did at first where I was like, wait, that would be cool, but I thought this was about the Rebels. You know, I thought there was going to be like a war movie about Rebel soldiers like stealing the Death Star plans. And so... I mean, maybe there's just going to be like some big opening battle sequence and they steal the Death Star plans right off the bat. Um, yeah, or maybe then, somewhere they get it and then they get stranded on, on some type of planet and they have to try to make their way out of it. And then the Empire sends the bounty hunters to try to prevent that from happening, get the plans back before they escape. You know, something like that could be a possibility too. Yeah, possibly. Um, but you would think they'd send their troops to do that if they know where they're at instead of sending bounty hunters to find them. I don't know. Well, it's kind of yeah, 
I don't know. I mean, I guess this still sounds to me like, I mean, I, I almost wish, I, like, I kind of hope somebody's just getting their information mixed up here. And I kind of hope these are two separate movies. Um, because as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, you know, a movie about bounty hunters trying to steal back the Death Star plans wouldn't be all that exciting because at the end of the day, we know they're not going to get him. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, and, unless somehow like they did get him back and then it's revealed that, you know, Boba Fett like double crosses the empire and like sells the secrets back to the rebels or something like that. But, um, you know, I mean, even though like if the movie's about rebel soldiers stealing the Death Star plans too, we, we know how that's going to end too. We know they're going to get him. but I think that's a more interesting struggle because, Obviously, it's a it's a small band of rebel fighters up against the the huge empire. So we know they're going to end up getting the Death Star plans, but it'll still be interesting to see how they get there. Um, you know how they're able to get their hands on them, how they're able to win that battle. You know they're going to take some losses along the way, um, especially. I mean, just some of the imagery that we've seen so far and the the description of it being sort of a, a more gritty, realistic war movie with no Jedi and everything like that. Um, it's just like, man, you know, some of the, like some of the rebel characters in this movie are going to die trying to get the Death Star plans. So, um, I think even though how we, even though we know how it's ultimately going to end, I still think that's a potential for a really interesting story. Whereas if the good guys have already won and, you know, gotten the plans and then it's the, you know, all about the bad guys trying to get them back. It's like, well, we know they don't do that because we see the Death Star blow up in the original movie. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it still would kind of be cool to see them in here, but I'd almost rather they just focus on this being like a war movie and Rebels versus Empire. And then, I mean, I'd love to see a separate spinoff film about just about the whole gang of bounty hunters and you know, a bounty hunter heist movie or something like that. Um, because again, like you were talking about earlier with uh, Boba Fett possibly being in the Han Solo movie. And how for people who want to see like a more mysterious Boba Fett and don't want him to be like the main character and know everything about him, like he could work well as a villain in a different movie. Well, I think he could also work well in sort of an ensemble cast like this because he could still be the main character, but we're not going to be following him the entire time if we're also focusing on Cad Bane and Dengar and all these other guys. So, um, you know, I I definitely think that could be something cool. I would love to see that. I'm just kind of having a little bit of a hard time, I guess, sort of meshing those two ideas in my mind of, uh, you know, gritty rebellion war movie and bounty hunter, bounty hunter heist movie. But yeah, I think Boba Fett's is going to be rumored to be in every anthology film and even maybe episodes eight and nine <laughs> until Probably. he officially gets his own anthology film announced. We're going to be hearing him appear in everything. It seems like, yeah. And, you know, maybe this is just people really wanting a Boba Fett movie and they're trying to, like, keep shoving it in Lucasfilm's faces. It's like (laughs) the next rogue or, you know, the next anthology movie is going to have Boba Fett in it. Right. Okay, no, not that one. Okay, the next one's going to have him in it. Right. (laughs) Guys, come on. It's like we got him to announce the Han Solo movie, but it's still not Boba Fett. We got to get that one out there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you never know where all these sources are coming from and stuff, but. Yep. Um, hopefully shouldn't be too long before we find out more information about that. Um, but we will get to a little bit more about Rogue One a little bit later on. Um, now a couple other non-movie related things that came out during this past week. Uh, we got the first gameplay trailer for Star Wars Uprising, the mobile game that's coming out this fall. 
Uh, that looks pretty cool. I mean, we'd seen a lot of information about it before and a little cinematic trailer and some screenshots and stuff like that, um, but hadn't seen any gameplay yet. And so far, I think this looks pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think it looks kind of similar to the uh, the Marvel Future Fight game that's out right now, which is kind of based on uh, you know Marvel Ultimate Alliance and X-Men Legends and games like that, where it's kind of a, a almost top-down view, like action RPG kind of thing. Um, but also, I mean, I've spent a lot of time playing that Marvel future fight game on my phone and this looks like, um, the, the action and the combat and stuff looks pretty similar, but it also looks like there's a lot more customization in terms of like the weapons and, uh, outfits and armor and stuff that you can equip your character with. So, um, I'm pretty excited for that. I'm just hoping this isn't one of those, you know, paywall free to play games where, uh, you know, it takes a really long time to do anything unless you pay extra money for, you know, extra credits or whatever. So, um, I hope they manage that well, but you know, just from, uh, from this first gameplay trailer, I mean, it, it looks pretty fun and the graphics look pretty impressive for a mobile game too. And it looks like it's going to be some, some pretty big expansive environments and stuff like that. So I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah. I thought it looked pretty cool too. I mean, I've said before, I'm not a big mobile gamer, but this one, after that first trailer, definitely caught my interest just by the tone of it and where it takes place but then actually seeing gameplay and graphics yeah it looks actually really fun and you mentioned the marvel ultimate alliance and the x-men legend games which i love so if it's anything like that i mean sign me up i'll be playing it and yeah the customization looks cool the graphics look good with the environments yeah so we got that first initial cg announcement trailer to get us excited for where it's actually going to take place in the story, but now you put it together with this gameplay trailer where it actually looks like it's going to be fun to play. So, so far, Star Wars Uprising is going to be uh, a game that I'm definitely going to check out and hopefully delivers a great package of Star Wars gaming content on the mobile phone because that'd be awesome. But like you said, hopefully it's just something where it's you're not going to be dishing out like microtransaction <laughs> uh, fees to advance with uh, different levels or progress with upgrades and stuff like that. Hopefully. Like I said, I'm not a big mobile gamer, so hopefully it's just something where you just pay a one-time like price for it to get the whole game, and that's it, and not to have these separate microtransactions as you move along. So, oh no, I, I think they've already announced that it's going to be free, which means it. Oh, okay. Almost certainly will have some sort of in-app purchases and microtransactions and there you go. stuff like that. <laughs> I just hope that stuff isn't too restricting. Is my point? Like, I know it's going to be in there. I just hope that it's kind of, you know, an optional thing where it's like, oh, I really like this game and I can pay some extra money to get some really cool gear or something like that. So let me go do that. Um, but not something where like, oh, I'm, I'm grinding through this and it's taking forever to level up, but they're offering me like a double XP bonus for $20. I'm going to be like, no, forget that. See, I must have missed that where it's going to be like a free download and then you you pay for other stuff later on, so yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> pretty sure they. I'm pretty sure they announced that when it was. I'm pretty sure that was somewhere in the the initial information that was announced. Plus, I mean, the fact that it's a based on Star Wars, b being released by you know Disney and their uh, digital media or whatever, and then also the the company that's actually developing the game, which is uh, Kabam. Um, they're. I mean, that's pretty much all they do is is free to play mobile games. So. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm still excited about it. It looks like they've put a lot of work into this, and it's not just like some cheap cash in on the franchise. Um, and I'm I'm excited to play it, and I know it's going to be free and have those microtransactions and stuff. I just hope that's not too too restricting and uh, you know taken away from the experience. I just wish they'd give you the option, like 
yeah, you can download it free if you want, and then like pay as you go along for how much you want to play going forward. But if, for those who just want everything right away, just go ahead and like pay whatever the fee they have for it to get the whole game and all its content. I wish they just give you that option, but eh, like yeah. we'll see how it goes. I guess when <laughs> once the game launches and how far I progress with it. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, in the meantime, like I said, there's that game called Mar- Marvel Future Fight that's out right now. Um, and you know, to, to you, Tim, but also any of you out there who are just kind of you know, wondering what this game might play like, I recommend giving that a try just to see, um, I mean, like I said, it's, it's kind of like the Marvel Ultimate Alliance and everything, but if you want to kind of get an idea of how that plays out on your phone and see, uh, you know, what this Star Wars game might play like a little bit, I think it looks pretty similar. So, okay. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Um, anyway, and then, so, uh, let's see, aside from that, we've also got some new previews of the, uh, the Star Wars Journey to the Force Awakens books. Um, and so StarWars.com revealed, uh, you know, some covers and some descriptions for some of these, including, uh, of course, the Aftermath novel, which is, you know, top of my list. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'll just read the, the description here. Um, As the Empire reels from its critical defeats at the Battle of Endor, the Rebel Alliance, now a fledgling new Republic, presses its advantage by hunting down the enemy's scattered forces before they can regroup and retaliate. But above the remote planet Akiva, an ominous show of enemies' strength is unfolding. Out on a lone reconnaissance mission, pilot Wedge Antilles watches Imperial Star Destroyers gather like birds of prey circling for a kill, but is taken captive before he can report back to the new Republic leaders. Meanwhile, on the planet's surface, uh, former rebel fighter Nora Wexley has returned to her native world, war-weary, ready to reunite with her estranged son, and eager to build a new life in some distant place. But when Nora intercepts Wedge Antilles' urgent distress call, she realizes her freedom or her time as a freedom fighter is not yet over. What she doesn't know is just how close the enemy is, or how decisive and dangerous her new mission will be. Determined to preserve the Empire's power, the surviving Imperial elite are, conver- are converging on Akiva for a top-secret emergency summit to consolidate their forces and rally for a counter-strike. But they haven't reckoned, or, yeah, they haven't reckoned on Nora and her newfound allies, her technical genius son, a Zabrak bounty hunter, and a reprobate uh, Imperial defector, who are prepared to do whatever they must to end the Empire's oppressive reign once and for all. So that sounds pretty cool. It's funny because we had heard that uh, this novel, you know, wouldn't feature any of the big three from the original trilogy, but would feature a fan favorite character. And I think we were all betting on Lando, but it turns out it's Wedge. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I mean, this is uh, this is pretty cool, um, or sounds like it will be. So I'm I'm definitely excited to read this. I actually just picked up um, Dark Disciple, uh, the Clone Wars novel. I just got you know ordered that on Amazon and got it in the mail yesterday or a couple days or no i got it like a couple days ago and just started reading it last night and i'm really liking it so far so um i'll you know i'll read that i've still got to finish uh lords of the sith too um and uh you know definitely gonna knock both of those out and be ready for aftermath when that comes out september 4th so um yeah i still gotta get dark disciple <laughs> probably pick that up later today but um yeah aftermath sounds really cool and like you said we found out it's gonna be about wedge and the struggle for the empire trying to regroup and establish themselves as like still as the empire and dominant over the galaxy. And I find interesting too, how it's being reported that the Republic is, or the rebels are now being referred to as the new Republic. And, but then it's going to be interesting to see how does it go from that to the resistance in the force awakens. So yeah, more stuff that you can't wait to dive into to find out what the state of the galaxy is going to be after return of the Jedi until we get to the force awakens. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Yeah, I, I kind of had that same thought when I saw, you know, it referred to as the New Republic. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So they're sticking with that after all. And, um, you know, I'm kind of wondering in The Force Awakens, like, is there going to be no more New Republic? And is there just going to be the Resistance? Or are the New Republic and the Resistance going to be two separate factions? Or, um, you know, has the, the First Order kind of pushed the New Republic to the brink where they're once again just sort of a, a rebellion against this, you know, other tyrannical... Uh, you know, power that's coming up. So um, I don't know, definitely uh, interesting to see. And it was also, I think it was announced uh, during San Diego Comic-Con that Chuck Wendig, who's uh, writing the Aftermath novel, is actually going to be writing in a, a whole trilogy, mm. um, starting with Aftermath, but, you know, two more books following that that are going to, you know, tell more of the story in between episode six and seven. So I'm definitely excited for those. Yeah. And also, and here were some other, like, young adult novels that are being, like, going to be featuring Han, Leia and Luke set between I think Luke and uh is between A New Hope and Empire which seems like all his stories are <laughs> so far and uh Leia's is going to be between Empire and Jedi and Han be, be like Luke and New Hope and Empire Strikes Back between those two movies but then we also got another one that the Lost Stars and we've heard about this before it's kind of like almost a Romeo and Juliet type <laughs> story set in the Star Wars universe with uh two childhood friends kind of being put on opposite sides between the Empire and the Gal and the Rebel Alliance and the, the galaxy at war, like will their relationship survive, <laughs> but, or will they stick to their duties? So that one could be interesting. We'll uh, see where that goes if it leads anything interesting to the Force Awakens or not, because that's part of the journey of the Force Awakens line. We'll see how much tie-in it adds to that. But after aftermath, or after aftermath try saying that three times but uh, the next one on this list that looks really cool and we've known about is the shattered empire comic i can't wait for that it seems like it'll go hand in hand with reading aftermath with how it's taking place right after the second death star gets destroyed so it's going to sell like more on the empire side of things it seems like because it's saying that shattered empire will help tell the story of what happened following the collapse of the empire and it's going to be written by greg rucka who's a great comic book writer so i can't see can't wait to see what he does in the star wars universe so we're definitely a lot more books they haven't announced yet part of the journey of the force awakens line but right now the novel aftermath and the comic shattered empire are the two that are high on my list right now part of the journey of the force awakens line can't wait to read those yeah same here and i mean i think these are probably all the ones that are going to be coming out on september 4th um, and I think, you know, there'll probably be more coming out in between then and when the movie comes out and even probably more coming out afterwards. Cause obviously the whole aftermath trilogy, like he's not going to write two more books in the span of you know three months. Um, exactly. So, you know, I, I would imagine they're going to keep releasing more stuff, uh, you know, even into next year and maybe even the year after that, uh, you know, keeps filling that gap in between episode six and seven. But, um, yeah, I mean, for now, I think this is a, a pretty good range of stuff here um you know obviously just like you i think aftermath is at the top of my list followed by shattered empire um but you know you've got some young reader stuff and then i know they also i think they were showing off some of these at comic-con as well at the del rey booth um that you know they had some uh you know character encyclopedias and uh you know some more like non-story books where it's like you know all you need to know about star wars and all that kind of stuff so yeah different like i activity books for young readers too that are part yeah. of the journey of the force awakens line so a lot of stuff to choose from that's for sure yeah definitely um so looking forward to that on uh force friday 
Um, also, something kind of unexpected that just came out this week. Um, that on this was July eighth, so Wednesday, I guess they just released this new Star Wars app. Um, that again, kind of just came out of nowhere. At least I don't know about you, Tim, but I hadn't heard anything about this before it came out. But yeah, me either. Um, I mean, this isn't like a, a game or anything. It's just kind of like your your one stop. Uh, you know, all your your Star Wars entertainment stuff. It's got. I, I'm opening it up on my phone here right now. Um, so one of the first things you see at the begin or at the the top of the page is uh, you know it shows your like the weather report for outside and if you've got your uh, location settings turned on on your phone which I do not right now because I keep that off to save battery but if I turn it on you know it, it knows where you are and uh, tells you what the weather is like outside and then kind of compares it to uh, a Star Wars planet. Um, yeah. So let's see if we're on the same planet, Kyle, or if we're both on different Star Wars <laughs> planets right now, as far as our weather goes. Oh, well, I would guess we're probably not on the same planet, but let's see. Got my location services on. Go back to the Star Wars app. Because right now, I am on Endor, so it's nice and comfortable at 72 degrees right here. <laughs> uh, well, see, that's what it's saying for me, but I think that's the uh, – oh, yeah, see, I think that's the default. Um, cause it just changed and now it says, uh, it's 101 degrees outside cause I'm here in Arizona <laughs> and it's freaking hot during the summer and it says I'm on Tatooine and it's got a nice background picture of some banthas walking in front of a sand crawler. <laughs> yeah. Where else is it going to be? Yeah. I'll have to do something with my sand. I thought it had it set, but I went to check my, this normal, uh, weather app and it went from like 71, like it said on there, but to jump to 91. So I was like, okay, something's off. Whereas I'll probably be more on Tatooine also if I get that setting. But yeah, that's a well, I think I think in the 90s it's Geonosis because um, I've seen that a couple times where if I check it like in the morning it'll say it's like 93 and it's Geonosis or something like that. Um, so anyway, uh, I mean, it's got the little weather thing on there. You can, uh, go to your profile and you can pick a theme, like you can pick a, a profile picture for yourself when you use it. And then you can set it to like a light side, a dark side or a droid theme, um, just for kind of the whole, you know, the overall look of it. Um, and then, I mean, it's just got these little boxes. It's got, um, you know, a thing that tells you stuff that happened this day in Star Wars history, um, and right now it's saying this day in 2003, uh, Mexico City hosts the first ever Star Wars convention sanctioned by Lucasfilm and organized by the official Star Wars fan club in Mexico. Um, of course, you've got uh, a thing showing you the latest news and it's got, uh, you know, in there it's saying the Star Wars video that they showed at Comic-Con that we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, it's got a countdown till The Force Awakens, and right now we are at 158 days, 10 hours, 4 minutes, and 32 seconds until the movie comes out. Um, and now that I updated, I just did my location for the weather. I am on Geonosis now, so you're right. Uh, yeah, there you <laughs> go. What but, in the yeah. blazes is he doing there? I told him to stay on Naboo. <laughs> um... And then, I mean, you've got the official news feed, you've got official videos, you've got a little Force Trainer game, which is actually really cool. I don't know if you've tried this yet, Tim. Yeah, but I was going to say that. I loved it. It was, it was really fun, actually. <laughs> yeah, like it uses your camera and does this augmented reality thing where, you know, on your screen, you, you see what your camera is seeing. So if you're like sitting in your bedroom or whatever, you see your room around you. But then you see the little, uh, you know, training remote droid. 
floating in front of you and then it like lights up on different sides telling you which side it's gonna shoot to and you know it fires its laser blast and you tilt your phone to one side or the other like a lightsaber and block it um and then sometimes it'll move so like i think it's best to probably play it like in a an office chair or something because then you can like swivel around and just kind of (laughs) spin and follow the thing as it's moving that's what i was doing and it was a lot of fun yeah my only complaint i don't know if you found the settings where you could switch it but you're just stuck with the green lightsaber i want a blue one you think it would be blue because that's what the color Luke had when he was training on the New Hope with that. So, yeah. Well, maybe they'll update it with more colors in the future. Yes, it must be changed. <laughs> um, but, I mean, they've they've got a soundboard where you can play different, you know, quotes and sound effects and stuff. They've got this selfie camera where you can oh, yes. take a picture of yourself <laughs> in. You know, it's it's kind of like the cutouts or whatever that you do like at a carnival or at the movie theater or whatever, where it's got like a character and then their face is cut out and you stick your face in there. It's kind of the same thing where. Um, you know, you pick a character for, for you to be, and it's like Princess Leia or a Jedi, or I don't even remember what other ones they have in there, or you can do, uh, you know, Han and Carbonite. Um, and then you, you pick a background character so you can have like Yoda or Vader or a stormtrooper kind of standing over your shoulder. And then you pick the backdrop. You can do like Hoth or Tatooine or, you know, different stuff like that. Um, and then take a picture with your face, like in place of the character's face. Um, so that was pretty fun. I think the day this came out, I probably had like a dozen friends who posted pictures of that on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I mean, if anyone follows me on Twitter, you would have saw like three pictures I took of that. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, like I want a Carbonite as a Jedi with Darth Vader behind me and then as a rebel pilot on Hoth with a Stormtrooper about to take me captive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's really fun messing around with that. And that one is cool because you could choose your lightsaber color there. So yeah, well there you go. (laughs) Um, And then it's also got it's got this augmented reality thing which you can't really do much with yet because I guess you have to have some kind of exclusive poster that you find it at, and then it makes some augmented reality thing pop out. And I think they had that at Comic Con, Um, but you know, I I don't think the rest of us can really do much with that as of yet. And I'm sure that'll probably tie into the Force Friday promotion somehow. They'll probably have that at Walmart or something. Um, And then my favorite part of this is that they've got a section with a whole bunch of animated Star Wars GIFs um, (laughs) from everything from the movies to Rebels to uh, the Force Awakens trailers. And... uh, you know, they've got them in different sections. You know, you've got anger, confusion, frustration, greetings, happiness, laughter, miscellaneous, romance, sadness, sarcasm, SOS, and panic, thinking. Um, and, I mean, I've probably used these in, like, every text or Facebook conversation I've had over the past few days. Especially with my sister. It Like, it's, it's making her laugh and driving her nuts that I keep using these <laughs> things. Um, cause she's in, uh, she's actually doing study abroad in France right now. And we've been chatting on Facebook a whole lot and, uh, I'm like using these gifts to respond to everything. Um, in fact, she, there was one time I, I did it and she's, she was like, Oh my gosh, stop it with the star Wars gifts. And I was like, you can never have enough star Wars gifts and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, you stuck up scruffy looking nerf herder. Um, and then there's a gif on there of Han, like pointing to himself and it's actually from, from cloud city when, yeah. uh, you know, Lando calls him, uh, no good. Uh, Oh, what does he say? I know no this one. Come on. Yeah. Uh, you <laughs> dirty double crossing no good swindler um and han kind of points at himself and he's like what me um so i posted that and she was like ah (laughs) that's awesome so i've been having a ton of fun with those yeah i mean they said they're gonna be updating this app i don't know if they said daily but 
frequently they'll be updating it. So hopefully they'll be adding more and more GIFs with these because, yeah, they're pretty fun. The only thing is that I couldn't, you can't uh, copy and paste them and use them on Twitter, I found. So that was a little disappointing. Oh, okay. Because um, I was going to be sending a bunch of tweets with those like, oh, come on, I can't do that. Yeah, well, because I think with Twitter you have to like use the link. You know, you have to post a link to a GIF from a website or something. Yeah. But with this it's just um, – I mean, you, you tap on a, a GIF and it brings it up big on the screen and then it automatically copies it into your, uh, yeah, your copy and paste for your messages or whatever. So, um, but yeah, I mean, maybe that's something they'll, they'll update in the future, but, uh, I mean, that, like, like I said, that's probably the most fun I've been having with this so far. Yeah, I was been great. I'd probably use the more of the selfie thing, <laughs> the, the GIF stuff, but yeah, I just love this whole app. It's just a, just a cool, fun way to kill some time if, i mean you're gonna be waiting online for forest friday or in the movie you could probably do a lot of cool stuff with the app as you're waiting and probably with other people too that you're hanging out online taking different pictures comparing them so yeah oh yeah there's gonna be a whole bunch of us you know standing in line spinning in circles waving our phones around like idiots playing that yeah. Trainer <laughs> game. yeah but and who knows um, what they'll add before then too so maybe yeah. there'll be some more cool stuff yeah so that was a nice surprise and we've uh, been having a lot of fun with that. Um, now let's jump into all this Comic Con stuff because uh, you know obviously we got a lot of stuff to talk about here. Um, and you know I'll kind of just mention this briefly, real quick, as part of the lead-in. Um, there was a rumor, uh, you know, just maybe like a day or two before Comic Con started, and this was started by um, Umberto Gonzalez over at uh, Heroic Hollywood, who used to be the guy who did Latino Review. So, I mean, you know what we think about the credibility of his rumors, but he was like adamant that Colin Trevorrow, who directed Jurassic World, had been hired to direct Star Wars Episode Nine, and that they were going to announce it during the Force Awakens panel. And uh, of course, they didn't. But um, and I still think that's a, a plausible rumor that he could maybe still be involved with it just because they didn't announce it at the panel. Um, I mean, I don't think that's out of the question necessarily. Um, but at the same time, I mean, that's so far off. It's like, I'm not even really that worried about episode nine yet. I'm kind of hoping some of the rumors are true that we've heard that JJ Abrams might come back for episode yeah, nine, that too. he's just taking a break for episode eight. That would be my hope. Although we'll also have to wait and see how episode seven turns out first. Cause if it ends up being a huge disappointment, then I'll be like, well, maybe we should get somebody else. But <laughs> I mean, all signs are pointing in the right direction right now. The 0.1% chance that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for this one, I'm pretty much in total agreement with you. I'd rather it be JJ coming back to finish up the new trilogy from what he started. But again, if they're going to, go a different route than Colin Trevorrow. I wouldn't be disappointed if he's the one who ends up doing it if this rumor pans out because I love Jurassic World and it's kind of one of those things where that Lucasfilm looks to be doing where they're taking up like these upcoming directors who are having success with their movies and then taking them to do a Star Wars project next. So this fits into what they've been doing in the past. So yeah, I wouldn't complain if this is his next project. And we already know he's not doing a Jurassic World sequel because he said that. And he's even compared jurassic world or jurassic park the franchise to like star wars where everyone puts like their own stamp on it with their movies so maybe that was a little hint of what he was doing next so I don't very know. possibly um but yeah i mean i will we'll just have to wait and see on that and i wouldn't expect you know any any official news or confirmation about that for a long time in fact heck i don't know that we've 
actually still even gotten official confirmation that Ryan Johnson is directing episode eight. It's just uh, no, we did actually. It was when uh, they announced the title for Rogue One and that Felicity Jones was casting it. Bob Iger did say that Ryan Johnson is doing episode eight. Well, right, but there was never like a. I don't think there was ever like a press release or something that was just like Ryan Johnson selected as director for episode eight. Um, it was just a rumor, and then he kind of confirmed it, and now everybody's just talking about it like they know what's happening. Um, yeah, maybe they figured they skipped the press release since he said yeah. it, and everybody knows it already. But. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like I said, it'll be a while, I'm sure, till we find out uh, what the deal is for episode nine. But again, I'm not too concerned about that right now. But uh, you know, I certainly wouldn't be surprised or hugely disappointed if uh, if it turns out that Colin Trevor is directing it. Exactly. Um, but regardless, anyway, we get it at Comic Con. <laughs> uh, yeah, onto the stuff that actually did happen at Comic Con. Um, I think probably the first big thing that happened on, uh, I guess it was, this was Thursday or no, it was Friday, I guess it was just during the day before the force awakens panel, uh, that they had the Hasbro star Wars panel, um, and announced some, some pretty cool new stuff there. Um, some new six inch black series figures. Uh, they've got Kanan and Ahsoka from rebels coming they've got pictures of both of those characters. And we had seen the Ahsoka figure before, but, um, it, it was just sort of the sculpt and it wasn't painted. And they've got both of these figures now shown in, in full detail and they look pretty sweet. Um, they're also doing Django Fett. Uh, they're doing Luke from a new hope, uh, you know, in the, the Tatooine, outfit that he's wearing at the beginning of the movie um so those all look pretty cool um yeah i don't know about you tim but i'm i guess kind of a big collector of the black series figures i don't have like every single one but i've got let's see i know you did pretty good at celebration anaheim is getting your collection (laughs) i have 10 of them right now yeah, I'm looking. I've got uh, Pilot Luke, Darth Maul, and Boba Fett here on my desk. And then behind me on top of my dresser, I've got Chewie and Han and Obi-Wan and Anakin and uh, Luke from Return of the Jedi and Vader and a uh, scout trooper on a speeder bike. So I've got a pretty good-sized collection of those. Um, I definitely want to pick up Ahsoka. I will probably be picking up Kanan. Um, I, I do kind of wish they did these Rebels characters in the style of the Rebels show and not like the realistic renditions of them but um you know i might have to go ahead and pick up Kanan. anyways the other thing that uh, i don't think we mentioned this on our last episode because it was just kind of you know they announced it like the week or two before comic-con but they had a fan poll to decide uh what character the fans wanted to have as a new black series figure um and i think some of the choices they had you know old ben kenobi they had lando they had a snow trooper they had general grievous but the two big choices, um, you know, a lot of the Rebels fans were campaigning to try to get Sabine to win because she was in the poll. Um, but the uh, at least at the beginning, the runaway leader was Darth Revan from Knights of the Old Republic, which I was just so happy about. And I was like copying and pasting that link and messaging all my friends and me like, please vote for Darth Revan because I really want this action figure. Um and Revan still came in first place in the poll, although, you know, Dave Filoni and some people started campaigning for Sabine and she, uh, you know, kind of made up some ground and ended up uh, taking second place. And they announced at this panel that they're uh, they're just going to go ahead and make figures of both of those characters. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the day that that Darth Revan figure is released, 
I will be like driving all around town to every store being like, shut up and take my money. Um, but I will probably pick up that Sabine, Sabine figure as well. Um, and, you know, hopefully they do a good job, um, you know, sort of transferring that to uh, the live action look, I guess, and, you know, making our armor look cool and everything. But um, both of those should be really cool figures. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, yeah, like I mentioned before, my collecting days are pretty much over for the most part until <laughs> some cool Force Awakens stuff comes out. I mean, the Captain Phasma Black Series figure is going to be a must-buy for me. I mean, there's no mm-hmm. question. And the Kylo Ren. But these ones do look cool, I had to say. And you were saying how you wish the Rebels figures like uh, Kanan and Ahsoka were more how they look in the cartoon series. I kind of like that it's more of a realistic style. kind of makes it just a different option you can have as a collector. I mean, if you wanted, you can have the regular action figures that are based on the TV series, but then you have the Black Series one, which would be more of a what-if type of thing would they look like if they were actually in the movies so i kind of like that style i think those figures actually look really cool both the soka and kanan so yeah and then like you said with the darth frevin and the sabine one i mean what i didn't get too caught up in that fan voting thing just because like i said not much of a collector anymore but it's kind of hard if you're just looking for a figure to have something cool on display i mean it's hard not to pick revan i mean with how he looks so that's cool that he's won the contest and we're gonna get a figure of him but then at the same time too um, you get all the support that uh, Sabine was getting from fans. And, of course, like you mentioned with Dave Filoni, and I think it's really cool of them that even though she didn't win, they're still going to make a figure of the character. So it's kind of a win-win situation for both people who were wanting for Revan and Sabine. So that yeah, was a cool reveal. Yeah, that was definitely a, a cool move on Hasbro's part because they've been facing a lot of criti- criticism lately, obviously, for um, you know, for some of the Star Wars action figure lines and for some of the Marvel stuff. Um you know, with the, the Avengers action figures and stuff like that, that there hasn't been enough representation of female characters and, um, you know, people want more figures of Sabine and Leia and Ahsoka and, uh, you know, Black Widow and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, I agree with them. Like right now, the only six inch black series character that are the only female character that they have a six inch black series figure of is slave Leia. Um, and that's one of the ones you still see like hanging on the store shelves when you go to Walmart and they got nothing left except like 10 of those. Cause people aren't even buying them. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do agree with that. I think it's great that they're making Ahsoka, that they're making Sabine. And, uh, you know, I, I think they should definitely, you know, keep that up and, uh, you know, make figures of like as many of these cool characters as possible, whether they're male, female, alien, droids, whatever. Um, but, I mean, for me, I was like, yes, they should make a Sabine figure, but I've got to vote for Revan, just being the diehard Knights of the Old Republic fan that I am. Um, you know, as soon as we finish recording this podcast, I'm going to go do a, an ops run with my guild on Star Wars The Old Republic. So I'm a you know, huge fan of that timeline. Love Darth Revan. I just bought a Darth Revan mask at Phoenix Comic Con. So um, I was like, I need to have that action figure. Yeah, I just um, want to be right if you didn't vote for him, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, it was good to see him running away with like 40% of the vote. So um, I, I was glad there were many like-minded uh, fans out there like myself. So I'll be very happy to get that. Yeah, um, so but I mean, like addition- I said, even me not being a Revan fan, it's, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not a Revan fan, I'm just a collector guy in general. But as a Revan fan, is what I meant to say, it would be like some I would want to get to just to have that on display on like a shelf or something. So. Yeah, I'm happy it won. Yeah, for sure. Um, in addition to that, they also announced that they're going to be coming out with new Force Effects lightsabers later this year with uh, some new tech inside and some new cool-looking stands. Um, and, I mean, wishful thinking here, maybe a price drop, but probably not. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I definitely want to get myself one of those for hopefully less than like $160. 
Um, they also announced a couple of new Rebels figures. Uh, they've got a figure of the new, one of the new Inquisitors from season two of Rebels, and it's the uh, the dude with the kind of smaller Embo-looking hat, um, <laughs> and not the one that we're all assuming is Barris. Um, but they, so they reveal the figure of that guy. They also, I think it wasn't during the panel, but maybe later on during the convention, they, uh, they revealed a first look at a Captain Rex figure. Um, you know, the, the old Captain Rex that we're going to see coming up in Rebels here. Um, so that looked pretty cool. But these of course are in the, uh, the three and three quarter inch line with the five points of articulation and the elbows that don't move and stuff. And I guess when I saw the Captain Rex figure, I was like, well, at least with him, you can kind of just chalk it up to old age and say, you know, Hasbro wasn't lazy. He's just got arthritis. That's why he can't move his knees. Um, That's how you got to look at it from your toy canon universe. Exactly. Um, but then, I mean, easily the coolest thing they revealed here, maybe besides the Darth Revan figure, but they didn't actually show that yet. Um, but one thing they did show is a six-inch Black Series figure of the First Order TIE Fighter pilot. Um, and it's the same one that you see, you know, chasing Han and the Falcon at the end of the latest trailer where he's got, like, the red stripes painted on the helmet and everything. It looks pretty cool. And then just this huge, uh, you know, scale size uh, First Order TIE Fighter to go with that. Um, you know, it's built for the six inch, the, the, those six inch figures. And so the cockpit of this TIE fighter is like almost as big as a person's head. Um, and the wings are, I mean, I don't think they said the dimensions, but the wings are probably like two or three feet or something like that. Um, so this is going to be, you know, obviously a big collector's item and it's probably going to cost a decent chunk of change. But, um, I mean, man, like I'm thinking I might even have to buy this and I'm looking around going, do I even have room for this in my room? No, I don't <laughs> think so, but I might have to make room. Cause I mean, this thing looks pretty cool. And funny enough, this is probably like the best look we've gotten at what the TIE fighters and the force awakens are going to look like. Yeah, that's a good um, point. Yeah, I think you actually might be right about that. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's black. It's got like some red, it, it, uh, red kind of stripe or something painted on one side of it. Um, got like a little antenna relay thing sticking up on one side of the cockpit and uh it looks like maybe some reinforced attachments or something between like the cockpit and the wings i mean it's uh you know it looks kind of like the same shape as a normal tie fighter except it's got uh i mean the best way i can describe it is almost like tire looking things attaching the cockpit to the wings um, where it just looks, you know, a little bit more bulky and reinforced than your standard TIE fighter would. And then, of course, it's got, you know, the white panels on the wings. So pretty cool looking. Yeah, I mean, after this got announced, all I kept seeing on Twitter was like, how am I going to afford this? Oh, I got to get this. Like, need to get a second job with all these, like, <laughs> awesome toy reveals from the Hasbro panel. This one topped it off. But, yeah, it looks really cool. And I'm just really liking the way the TIE fighter looks in The Force Awakens, just the color scheme of it. I like the darker a uh, grayish tone it had, and then just the white wings, and just the color and how like, they go against each other. Like, it's looking really cool. So, yeah, when I saw this image, it's like, oh, man, that's, that's pretty cool to get that reveal for, like, one of the first Force Awakens toys that we're seeing is this type, new TIE fighter and then the TIE pilot. So, yeah, it was unexpected, but definitely cool to look at. And like you said, kind of one of the more better looks we got of the new TIE fighter, except from some of the quick shots we get in the trailer, this one you can kind of more analyze more and get a good idea of what it looks like and the color scheme on it. So, yeah, it was kind of a cool way to end their panel with this reveal. And then I think there were some pictures of, like, the panel is holding it up on display there. Just everyone was kind of just, like, in awe of it and <laughs> seeing it in person. Yeah. So, yeah, it was pretty well, cool. And they actually had a display at their booth where – 
it was, uh, you know, like this big diorama of the scene from the trailer where you see like that one TIE fighter that's in the hangar kind of spinning around and blasting some of the other TIE fighters and some stormtroopers and stuff. Um, and so they had like these big wads of colored cotton balls that were, you know, made to look like explosions. And there were like a whole bunch of six inch uh, stormtrooper figures in there. Um, and then they had like a couple rows of TIE fighters, um, you know, looking like they're coming down off an assembly line or something like that. Um, and then they had the one that was kind of like hanging in the middle of the room and shooting at the other ones. So, um, I mean, that was pretty cool. I didn't, I I mean, I saw a few pictures that I didn't see enough pictures to kind of get a sense of how big it was and, uh, you know, like how big it was in comparison to the other people who were there, but just given the size of the tie fighters like that must have been a pretty big display case yeah <laughs> I, I actually didn't see too many of those pictures i have to go scope for those and check them out now because that sounds pretty cool how you're describing it if they had like a yeah it was pretty device. sweet like i said it wasn't actually at the panel i think it was just at the hasbro booth later on um but yeah that was pretty cool um but yeah i mean that's pretty much all the big stuff from that panel um now tim you're more into the comics and stuff than i am so you want to go ahead and uh kind of run through some of the com- the new comics that they announced. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's Comic-Con, so you would hope we get some new comic book announcement for Marvel's Star Wars line. And we got two new books that they announced. And the first one is that Chewbacca is getting his own limited series. And that seems like the pattern they're doing since we got Princess Leia, which just ended. And now we're getting the Lando miniseries. And then uh, we're going to be getting a Chewbacca series that's going to come out. So this one, um, it's going to be written by Jerry Dugan, who currently been writing the Marvel's Deadpool series. So when this first announced, I know I saw some reaction like Chewbacca is kind of an interesting choice to feature as a main character in a comic because he's not going to have any dialogue really. <laughs> so people wonder, oh, it's going to be like a quick uh, read through of all these issues if it's mainly focused on Chewbacca. But um, they the made a point to saying that that is how they're going to do it actually, where they're not going to give Chewie kind of like internal monologue where you're reading what he's thinking. It's going to be how like we see in the movie where He's just going to talk like a Wookiee talks, and then you'll see different people interact with him in the story. So it definitely should be interesting. But um, the series is going to be about where Chewie's crash lands on a planet, and then as he's crash landing there, he's going to be teaming up with some of the planet's inhabitants. And, of course, they're going to have to go through uh, facing off against the Empire also. So it sounds pretty cool. I mean, it's always cool to get Chewbacca's story, but I will say I kind of wish with these new comics, besides from Kanan, I wish we be exploring different parts of the timeline because this is another one that's set between A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back. And we're getting a lot of stories during that era, especially in the comics. So um, I I trust the story group to make it where things aren't going to get too convoluted, where things are too much stuff going on at the same time. It's kind of hard to piece together where they are. So that was the one disappointment I had with it. I thought it would have been cool if maybe we got a Chewbacca story before A New Hope, maybe even before he teamed up with Han Solo even just so we can kind of get this a different avenue to where a Chewbacca story that we haven't heard before. So but other than that, I think it's still kind of a cool thing where uh, we would get a new Chewbacca story in the comic. So we'll just have to wait and see if, if, how it plays out. If the timeline plays a factor as far as that hinders its story at all. But I don't know. It's still exciting to get a Chewie comic, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of agree with you there that, uh, I mean, I love Chewie. I I guess I'm not quite sure about how I feel about him having his own standalone comic because, I mean, I I love him as a character by himself, but I do kind of like him as part of the team with 
Han and Luke and everybody. And so, um, you know, having just Chewie on his own, like teamed up with a bunch of new characters might kind of feel a little unnecessary or something. I don't know, but it, it, I mean, it could certainly be, uh, pretty cool and be a good story, but, um, I mean, I guess at the same time, like you said, I'm just kind of waiting for them to branch out and and explore some other areas of the timeline. Not that they immediately need to jump into, like, Knights of the Old Republic or anything like that. But, I mean, I don't know. Go back and do another Clone Wars story. Do something set before the prequels or... Yeah, I mean, obviously, they've got the stuff coming uh, after Episode Six pretty shortly here. Um, but... I don't know. Still, it seems like everything is set like right before, or right after a new hope. So yeah, hopefully it won't be too long before they start branching out a little bit more. I know. Totally agree. And before I get into the other new comic story that they announced, I will just say I got the clicked on the links. You just sent me Kyle for those diorama shots of the tie fighters, man, <laughs> that looks pretty darn awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you got a few of them up there that the display of the stormtroopers being blown to bits. Yeah. <laughs> that looks pretty darn cool. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. <laughs> you are welcome. So back to the Star Wars comics. The other one they announced yesterday actually was, because they teased on Friday that there's one more new Star Wars title that we're going to announce. And this one, it's not necessarily a new title. What it is is basically just kind of a new event miniseries. It's basically a crossover between the Darth Vader comic and the Star Wars comic where it says a six-issue crossover event. That's going to like first be brought with an oversized issue called Darth, the whole thing's called Darth Vader Down. And that's going to be an oversized issue with num- issue number one. And it's going to be written by Jason Aaron, who's currently doing uh, Star Wars, and uh, Karen Gillian, who's doing Darth Vader. Yeah, they're both going to be handling the writing duties on it. So uh, this one is, yeah, it's cool to get an event series with Darth Vader. It's kind of be about where, kind of like the Chewbacca one, he's crash landed on a planet and have to face off against the rebels all by himself so a little similar there but i think a lot of people were expecting kind of a new ongoing title as they were teasing on friday and while it's cool to get a crossover event i don't think it's nothing really like majorly monumental that's going to be going down to me it's just going to sound like a cool vader story which we've been getting in the monthly title so definitely not complaining about more darth vader but i think the kind of what they were teasing the day beforehand maybe got some people disappointed where it wasn't some like new and different series, just a crossover event. So should be cool. But then again, we'll just have to wait and see as far as if anything new gets announced later on. But seems like we got plenty of Star Wars comics to keep us uh, busy and entertained for the rest of this year with the ones we got now, and then Chewbacca, this crossover series, and then with Shattered Empire coming later on. So looks like we're set for the rest of this year in Star Wars comics. Yeah, definitely. Um, but man, let's, let's get to the main event now, that Force Awakens panel that they had Friday night, um, which of course everybody was just super anticipated for. And, uh, you know, we had been hoping slash expecting that we might get to see a new trailer here. Um, but then we heard some rumors that, uh, they probably weren't going to be showing a new trailer and JJ Abrams confirmed that pretty, pretty early on in the panel. Um, but, I mean, just as they're talking about the movie, I'm just scrolling through our Twitter feed here and seeing, you know, a bunch of the pictures and stuff that you retweeted from, you know, people who were at the panel. Because obviously neither of us were able to be there, unfortunately. But, um, I mean, they've got a screenshot of, you know, a whole bunch of stormtroopers standing outside what we probably assume is the First Order base. Um, 
which we now have a name of, which is yeah. pretty cool to get. <laughs> yeah, I was going to get to that a little bit later, but yeah, Don, uh, I guess it's Donal Gleason. Uh, that was one of the probably one of the biggest reveals for me at that panel. I was like, oh, I finally heard his name pronounced correctly. Yeah. It's not like everybody's calling him <laughs> Donal, so um, I was like, oh, is that how you say it? Yeah, he kind of let it slip that. Uh, well, first of all, it was revealed that he's playing a villain named General Hux. Um, and then it was also, he, he kind of let slip that General Hux is in charge of Starkiller base. Um, and JJ Abrams and everybody were like, what, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, was I not supposed to say that? And then JJ just kind of sighed and was like, yes, well, you know, the Luke's original name in the original movies was supposed to be Starkiller. And so we, you know, paid homage to that. And, uh, the, the first order's main headquarters in this movie is called Starkiller base. So there you go. Um, which I think is awesome, by the way. I love that they're doing that. <laughs> yeah, I think it sounds pretty cool. I guess yeah. the only thing that slightly concerns me about it, I'm like, I know they don't have to stick to the old timeline and canon and everything, and that, uh, you know, The Force Unleashed isn't a canon story anymore. But because that was such a popular game and because so many people loved it, like, the name Starkiller still just brings that character to mind in everybody's minds. And so, um, you know, for maybe for anybody who missed the memo that the old EU isn't canon, like if they hear about that, they're going to probably get confused and jump to the conclusion that, oh, Starkiller must be in this movie or he was alive at some point and they named their base after him or whatever. Um, yeah, so, they're going to be disappointed if that's the case, like, yeah, <laughs> what they're thinking of. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, still a, a pretty cool name despite the, the odd... Uh, context there but yeah um i mean just some of these images we got like i said the stormtroopers you've got the the flame the flame troopers or flamethrower troopers or whatever you want to call them kind of like torching some buildings and stuff um we got some new images of uh the villains you know um kylo there's a screenshot here of you know they have three pictures on the screen right next to each other of kylo ren general hux and captain phasma and they all just look so freaking cool so um, so awesome man <laughs> i've like I mean, been dying to get a official high-res image of this picture re-release because it just like kylo ren and captain phasma shot uh, i mean we've had the debate before who we like better captain phasma or kylo ren as far as who looks cooler i'm in the captain phasma camp you're in kylo ren's camp but i will say in this particular shot kylo ren that pose he has where his head's tilted in, in a little bit just looks so so cool the way the hood's on there the mask man it's <laughs> just such an awesome awesome shot yeah i mean i i just absolutely love that picture of kylo ren with his mask and everything but i also you know while i'm still squarely in you know the, the kylo ren camp as far as who's cooler i also think that is one of the coolest pictures of captain phasma we've seen so far um you know just showing her whole outfit and the armor and you know the cape that's draped over one shoulder and everything i'm like man that is just that's an awesome look. And that yep. just says character that you don't want to mess with. Yep. Um, <laughs> so cool. And I love the look of General Hux, too, the, the new Imperial or First Order general look. I mean, he's all black and he even has not necessarily a robe, but he has like a coat, like a long mm -hmm. coat hanging over him. It's a cool visual design for all the bad guys that we're seeing in the movie, too. So, yeah, everything. Again, the more we see of this movie the more awesome it looks and every new character we get to just fits in perfectly to the others that we've seen before as far as, far as how cool they're looking visually i mean yeah it's all fitting together so nicely especially in the bad guy front <laughs> yeah for sure um and then of course you know because there's been so much talk about the way that they're making this movie and kind of going back to the old school and using more practical effects and everything like that and of course one thing that i like that jj abrams keeps reiterating 
um, is like, yes, we're, we're trying to build as much stuff as we can, but it's still, you know, it's a modern blockbuster. It's Star Wars. It's set in space. There's still going to be a ton of green screen and digital effects and CGI and all that kind of stuff. But we're just trying to make it as authentic as possible by, you know, building real sets and real characters and real props and costumes and whatever else, like as much as we possibly can. Um, and so, I mean, I, I love that aspect of it. I think it's going to bring a, a great deal of authenticity to it, but at the same time, you know, I, I think there are some people who are like, Oh yes, it's going to be all practical effects and CGI sucks and whatever. I'm like, CGI doesn't suck. Like you can't tell me the space battles in the prequel trilogy didn't look better than the ones in the original trilogy. Like, I kind of like some of the ones in the, like, I mean, the Battle of Endor still is probably my favorite space battle just because I love X-Wings and the Millennium Falcon and everything. But, I mean, you can just fit so many, they could do so much more with the the ships and the backgrounds and just the amount of stuff going on, like in the Battle of Coruscant and the prequels. So, um, you know, I I like that they're going for a a healthy balance of both. Like, there's going to be some really cool stuff in this movie that they can only do with CGI, but I also like that they're just making it as realistic and authentic as possible when they can. So... That's pretty sweet. But, I mean, on that front, they they went and brought out um, the character that we now know is named Baba Joe, who was uh, kind of that first practical alien creature that you saw with J.J. Abrams in the first uh, Force for Change video, um, where he's like, the best way I can describe this guy is he's like a camel turtle turkey thing. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it looks like a turkey's head sticking out from inside a turtle shell on a camel's humpback or something. And then yeah. he's carrying like a big cage of what looks like a bunch of mini me's, uh, you know, similar looking creatures to him, but with just like small heads and necks sticking out. Um, so anyway, they had this thing come out on stage. Apparently it's all robotic and there was somebody off stage like controlling it and, you know, it walked around and was looking at the fans and tried to like eat JJ's name card off his desk or something like that. But, um, you know, I mean, that was, that was pretty cool to see. Again, I really like that they're doing this, but I'm not one of those people that gets so hyped up about like, Oh my gosh, this is so cool. Because when you see the final movie, I mean, whether that guy is practical or CGI, he's just going to be like walking across the background of a couple shots and you're not really going to notice him all that much. But I still think it's cool the way that they're, you know, just building this this authentic world on the you know, on screen as much as possible. And, um, you know, cool that they keep giving us all these these looks at it. I I mean, obviously, because we weren't there, we didn't see the crowd reaction to it. And even like in the video that we managed to watch the whole panel, um Obviously, you can tell like they kind of had the the audience volume turned down and had most of the audio coming directly from the microphones on the stage. So you couldn't really hear like how loud the fans were cheering or anything. But I bet you it was not as crazy as, uh, you know, when we saw BB-8 roll out on stage at Celebration. Like that was still way more impressive. Um, Yeah. You you know how they can make a robotic thing walk. But the way that BB-8 was like rolling around, we were all like, how does his head stay attached? And how does it stay upright? And like, how did they make this thing? And it's so cool. Um, Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing, too, where we're watching it. You were right where it definitely can hear some cheers for it. But compared to how it was with BB-8, I think there is no comparison. Even if you said they lowered the volume of the audience for the video, I think just in general, what... BB-8 rolled out, that was just like a mouth drop moment for a lot of people, including us. And as cool as it was to see Baba Joe walking on there, it was impressive to see that 
creature walking around the stage. And it was funny, like even uh, Chris Hardwick, the panel host, and then everyone on the panel was like kind of worried that he's going to fall over and making sure he doesn't. Could you imagine if it did fall over? Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, at least they're done shooting the movie. So yeah. it's not <laughs> like, you. oh, guys, we got to delay production by a week because we broke Baba Joe at Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> it would have created quite the scene, though, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Joe was walking on the stage. But it was, yeah, like you said, it was cool to see, though, as we we're watching the panel, even though it took a little while for him to walk all the way across to the end of the panel, then walk all the way back and go behind <laughs> the curtain. Yeah. It seems like JJ was kind of going, okay, like, hurry up and get out of here type of thing. Yeah. Um, now, of course, so they, you know, they, they showed a bunch of these images. They brought out Baba Joe. Um, like I said, JJ said that they weren't ready to show a new trailer yet and that that would come out sometime during the fall. And at this point, I think we're guessing probably maybe the same week as Force Friday in September, um, which is September 4th. So maybe either on that day or like earlier that week. Um, That's when it makes the most sense. Yeah, because there aren't really any big Disney or Marvel releases coming out in the fall, um, except that uh, you know there's a Disney Pixar dinosaur movie coming out in November. But obviously, we got to get a new trailer before then. So yeah. um, I'm like, the only other real big event they could build it up around is you know the the big merchandise launch and everything in September, and the fact that you know that could be right around Labor Day weekend too. So um, and that's my guess. Yeah, I mean, when you have these toys come out, you would want the first trailer to be out there where you know more about the characters and the storylines too, because um, again, I'm going back to remembering how it was for the prequels and it's a different era now. So things are going to be done differently, which we have already seen with them, how they're marketing the force awakens. So maybe it will be different, but just when it, before the toys launched, we've always had the first official trailer where in the fall of like the years before the prequels came out, we get the teasers. And then like a few months before in the spring, we'd get the actual trailer that shows like more of the plot of the actual movie and I think it would make sense to do the same thing with The Force Awakens, where as much as we're still, they're still keeping secrets of a lot of the characters, and even just, we haven't heard any of them speak in the movie at all. So you think we want, they want to try to get the public to know more about these characters to get the toys out. And you can make the argument where Star Wars doesn't need any more push. People are going to buy them regardless because it's Star Wars. And if it's new characters, who cares? It says Star Wars on there. They know the new movie's coming out, so they're going to get them regardless. But I would still think it makes more sense for the general public audience to know what they're getting if for this new movie that's coming out, if they know more about the story and the characters that are coming out. And just get it to more in the public eye. There's a new trailer out. You're introduced to these characters more so than before go to the store now and get some toys of it to get even more hyped up for the movie. So yeah, they said JJ did say like later in the fall and who knows when that's going to be because technically the force awakens still comes out later in the fall. That's like three days before winter officially starts. So <laughs> you never know what the general terms they're using within the fall. But so when you hear fall, a lot of, I think the month that immediately comes to mind is September at the latest October. So yeah, it just makes perfect sense to release it there. And that's the week at, believe force friday is the week after d23 so maybe mm. i mean that's still gonna happen at the end of august so who knows if that's gonna be there or they're gonna just have fourth friday be the massive day where everything comes out new trailer the toys the books and everything and it's gonna be a crazy day for star wars fans so yeah who knows but regardless of when it is in the fall it's gonna be hitting pretty soon because we're in the middle of july already and then we just got to go through august and 
we're in September and the fall is going to begin later that month. So it's going to be here before you know it, really. And it's still kind of hard to imagine, really, after yeah, for sure. this Comic-Con panel that we're all excited about and that behind-the-scenes video we'll talk about later. We got that, and then they're still going to get a new trailer pretty soon. So it's all ramping up very quickly. <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. So they didn't show a new trailer. They did show a really cool behind-the-scenes video um, I'm sure most of you have seen it by now. If you haven't seen it yet, you know, we've got links to it on our pages. It's on starwars.com. Um, it's just, uh, I mean, I guess the title of it is, you know, the force awakens comic-con 2015 reel, but, um, I mean, it's, it's a really cool video showing, uh, some of the practical sets that they've constructed showing, uh, you know, some of the actors in, in various scenes, um, I mean, obviously not a whole lot of new story information here or anything, but we do see what looks like Poe Dameron getting captured and, uh, you, you see a stormtrooper like marching him down a hallway. Um, we see, you know, just some looks at some new aliens and some new background characters and, uh, a character that looks exactly like that Maz Kanata concept art that we were talking about earlier, um, and it's interesting because we know Lupita Nyong'o is doing, you know, CGI motion capture for that character, but this was like a fully constructed head that was, you know, sitting on top of somebody else. Um, so I don't know if that's like just a, a placeholder, um, you know, that they're, that they're using during shooting or if it's like a background character of the same species, or if they're actually going to use that physical model of her in the movie and then just sort of do the CGI to sort of map like the facial animations onto that. I don't know, but I'm, you know, that was pretty cool. And probably the biggest thing that we got here was that we see our first look at Leia in the movie. Um, and her costume looks kind of similar to some of the stuff we had seen earlier. You know, some of the, the leaked concept art we had seen where she, uh, is wearing like a gray, uh, tunic and pants and whatever and then a, a darker vest that kind of looks similar to a, a rebel fleet trooper from episode four um and it did kind of look like that but i liked that it was a little bit different in the sense that it was kind of more earthy toned it wasn't just like gray and black it was um and the tunic and everything was maybe like a little more beige or something like that and then the the vest over it was definitely more of like a dark brown than just a straight up black so um, I, I mean, she looked great. I, I thought the, the design and everything looked just perfect for her costume and her character. Um, and it was just really cool to see, you know, all, all this new behind the scenes stuff for the movie. Cause I mean, it still showed some, some new things that we hadn't seen before, just the, the unfinished versions of them. It wasn't like trailer footage, but you still see some new stuff like Kylo Ren walking off a ship. Um, you see a flame trooper with an actual working flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> like that was one of the things that blew me away and that I kind of just missed the first time we watched the video because, um, you know, even though they show this stuff, like while they're talking about how they're using the practical sets and the practical effects and the props and everything. Um, but still, I mean, you see somebody shooting a flamethrower on screen, you kind of just assume it's a special effect and they've got like the, you know, this armor that's all built and, uh, you know, the really cool looking, uh, gun that he's got, which is, you know, obviously a made up space stormtrooper flamethrower gun that somebody actually rigged to work as a real flamethrower. And I just thought that was so freaking cool. Once I realized that that was like actually what it was. <laughs> yeah, man, it's a lot of cool stuff in this behind the scenes video. I mean, as disappointed as it, it is to not get a new trailer at this panel. I think this is the next best thing because, like I said, the 
not only do we get to hear from the cast and crew talking about the production of the movie and again just hearing more of everyone's enthusiasm for how special it is to be working on a new star wars movie but kind of like we would in a normal trailer we got a look at some new shots and scenes in a way i mean you mm-hmm. talked about i mean the first one that comes to mind like you said the one where uh we see poe dameron being captured and escorted by a stormtrooper in like an imperial hallway which looked really cool almost like seeing a brand new scene that you would see in the trailer and like, like we said just like we would in a trailer speculation i mean is that finn escorting poe dameron before finn turns against the empire and this is the beginning of like the relationship that we assume would turn into a friendship so that's stuff like that it was cool to see in this and more things to speculate on where things in the story takes place and yeah like you said that shot of kylo ren coming out of the shuttle with the steam coming out from there and the stormtrooper just standing by I mean, <sighs> so awesome so <laughs> good i was we were talking about this before where to me, it felt like that shot where Darth Maul comes out of the Sith infiltrator ship on Tatooine. Could you see the desert uh, landscape in this shot here that they had on the behind-the-scenes video? And it's like Darth Maul walking there. But yet, this is more cooler because Kylo Ren is surrounded by awesome-looking stormtroopers. And <laughs> just the design of Ky- Kylo Ren's mask is just, uh, <laughs> just so awesome to see all of these cool-looking characters in that one shot. And then, too, one other thing. You mentioned the flamethrower, which right, it was awesome. But another few other shots that uh, took notice of where there was the one where you see a bunch of stormtroopers in a battle was uh, we still don't know what it is, but we were kind of speculating that this could be an assault on Maz Kanata's uh, uh, palace that we've seen in the uh, Vanity Fair shots because that same rubble and destruction and environments is the same as uh, Captain Phasmos, that shot where she was revealed in Vanity Fair is like the aftermath of that battle. But that battle looked pretty awesome, seeing the stormtroopers running around there, seeing stormtroopers get blasted away. <laughs> so, yeah, I can't wait to see that action sequences. And I was kind of thinking, too, how you hear me complain on previous episodes and the hope to see stormtroopers finally get their due and show how cool they're going to be and a force to be reckoned reckon with in this movie. There could be two sequences of that now. The shot where we got the flamethrower, then their assault on that village, and this sequence here of that battle they're having, which maybe is an assault on Maskinata's palace and against maybe her soldiers or pirates that are there. That would be really cool to see. So that stuff was awesome. And then the other shot, too, where which looked to be a new reveal where we see Daisy Ridley looks to be piloting the Millennium Falcon in that shot where it's just her in the cockpit. I mean, it kind of, we were talking about how well, maybe that's just the gun turret. Uh, that she's in, like we saw Luke and Han in A New Hope, but once you look at the video it actually is, like when you pause and freeze frame it, she's in the cockpit, the interior of it is the exact same uh, stuff we see in the Falcon in previous movies and even in mm-hmm. previous photos that we've seen in this video too of the Falcon behind the scenes stuff so this makes you think why is Rey piloting the Falcon, like where's Han and Chewie, are they manning the gun turrets in this one and he's entrusting Rey to pilot the ship, is that the sequence where in the trailer, we see the Falcon being chased by that TIE fighter going in the Star Destroyer. Is that Ray piloting it? I don't know. Just again, like we well, would in the trailer, just more stuff to speculate on. So I, I, I think it is. And, you know, I had seen somebody posted on Twitter. They said, like, oh, I think there might be a spoiler for the end of the movie somewhere in that video, but I'm not going to say what it is. And, I mean, I didn't talk to that person and ask them, like, what is it? But I think they may have been referring to the fact that Ray is piloting the Falcon and maybe they think, like, Han's been killed and now Ray has to take over or something like that. Um, but, no, I definitely don't think that's from the end of the movie because 
Um, if you look at that shot where, you know, they've, they've got the Falcon cockpit rigged up and it's moving around and everything, um, they're filming that with IMAX cameras and mm. they, I think they said they're only filming one scene of the movie in IMAX and I'm like 99.856% sure that it's that <laughs> sequence of the, the TIE fighters chasing the Falcon through the desert because in one of the first press releases about that, you know, when they sent out like screenshots and stuff. Um, there are like two different screenshots of, uh, the Falcon that's like flying towards the TIE fighters and they're shooting the lasers past it and stuff. You know, you guys have probably seen the image, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and they, they sent out like two different versions of that screenshot. It was two different sizes. And one of them, like in the file name, it says IMAX. Um, and it's like a, a taller, you know, bigger picture. Um, and so, yeah, I'm assuming that's the IMAX sequence. And like I said, they were shooting that with IMAX cameras. So if they're only shooting one scene in IMAX, then I was like, oh, so yeah, in those, in those, uh, scenes that we see in the trailers of the, the Falcon flying through the desert and stuff, like, is that Ray piloting it? Um, or does Han just have her take over at one point during that sequence or is she flying the Falcon the entire time? Um, either way, I think the fact that Ray is piloting the Falcon and it's at the beginning of the movie. So we know Han is still alive, like pretty much guarantees for me, she is related to him and, you know, most likely his daughter, which we've been saying the whole time, but, um, it's just like, we, we keep seeing more and more evidence pointing towards that. Yeah. Almost so much. So where it's like, come on, I just announced it already. I was kind of <laughs> yeah. hoping for that to be at the panel too. When Daisy Ridley came out <laughs> to kind of get some more reveals about the characters, but Nothing really. But yeah, yeah man, so. this video was just so, so cool. I mean, we've, we were following the reactions for people who were seeing it on Twitter just saying, guys, like, this video is amazing. Like, this panel was worth it just for this amazing behind-the-scenes video. So we were all kind of hoping that, uh, like, hopefully it gets released not too long after so we could all see it. And like Lucasfilm usually does, they're good about that, where stuff they show at panels they put online not too long after. So mm-hmm. it's definitely glad we got to see it because, yeah, I think it lived up to the hype people were saying who are at the panel and saw it it was just really cool yeah definitely it was certainly worth watching um you know and so they they showed this video and then uh you know of course for the rest of the panel they start bringing out the cast members and first they brought out uh john boyega daisy ridley and oscar isaac and uh you know of course had them talk about their characters a little bit and each like every time they brought some of the cast members out they uh took like a couple questions from the audience and didn't really give away too much, but, um, you know, they told some fun stories about working on the movie and stuff like that. Then they brought out, uh, Adam driver, Gwendolyn Christie and Donald Gleason. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny because then they asked them to talk about their characters a little bit. Adam driver, like didn't say squat. No. <laughs> um, and I'm like, come on, dude, give us something. Even Donald uh, Gleason was joking about that, like, oh, really, that's it? Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. <all> you say? <laughs> yeah, Gwendolyn Christie just seemed, you know, really excited to to be a part of the whole thing and really just kind of, you know, grateful and, like, blown away by the whole Comic-Con experience and, uh, you know, sort of still, like, pinching herself that she'd been cast in Star Wars. Um, and I have to say, as much as I love John Boyega and Daisy Ridley, um, I think Donald Gleason probably has has become my favorite newcomer to the cast at least from this panel like at this panel he was definitely the most entertaining to watch yeah. and to listen to talk um although john boyega told a pretty funny story about harrison ford too but um gleason i mean he was just like i don't even remember some of the stuff he was talking about but i know with his character he was talking about the difference between you know like bad and evil and whatever um oh he was talking about being british and how yeah. he's like 
you know, well, I'm British, and in Star Wars, like, all the British guys are, are evil, and so I must be evil, because I'm, you know, it's like, I am British, therefore I am evil. Um, yeah. And then he was like, well, Donal, can you tell us something about your character? And he just, I am evil. Um, <laughs> and, you know, just kind of this playful banter going on. And then, you know, in addition to the fact that he accidentally let slip, uh, you know, the little thing about Starkiller base, so that was pretty cool, too. Yeah, um, totally. And then, of course, you know, when they brought those three out was when they showed the picture of Kylo Ren, General Hux, and Captain Phasma just all looking really awesome. Um, now, one thing that was interesting, too, somebody at the panel asked a question about, uh, you know, would Darth Plagueis be in the movie? And everybody seemed kind of real, like, I don't know how to answer that. Blah, blah, blah. And Lawrence Kasdan was like, who? Darth Vegas? Yeah. Las Vegas? <laughs> Is that the thing? Um and they were just kind of like, oh, we're not going to talk about story stuff and what characters are in it. And and then J.J. Abrams like, you know what? I'm just going to say no, um, which made me think like that didn't sound like a very convincing no, which means you could just be lying to us or it could be, you know, there might be more to the story than that. Maybe we won't actually see Plagueis in the movie, but maybe he have, uh, factors into it somehow has some kind of part to play in the story. But uh, that was definitely interesting. Yeah, because it was funny when everyone were following on Twitter, people were saying, oh, J.J. definitely said no Plagueis, so everyone could put that rumor to rest. Like, we don't want to hear that anymore. Like, the different fans say different things. See, Plagueis isn't in it. So, like, okay, well, we'll have to, I want to wait to see what the context was, how their answer was. And when I actually saw it, I thought the same thing you do. It was like, man, they took forever to answer that. And because you heard like Kathleen Kennedy going like um uh, like Lawrence Kasdan uh, then he was yeah, the one who first was like what Darth Vegas <laughs> the JJ was like just had to kind of jump in and go you know what like Plagueis is not in episode 7 so maybe he's not and they're saving that reveal for later <laughs> and they're just not going to have it be in episode 7 or maybe they're pulling another con thing where he's just saying no and then when we see it it will be revealed but I think for everyone who's saying oh this definitely squashes our root those rumors and the speculation, I'm not too sure about that. So yeah, definitely. And you know, I'm not one of those like stubborn people that wants the rumor to be true. I mean, I think it would be cool if Plagueis is in the movie, if he did actually end up somehow finding the secret to immortality or something like that. But, um, I mean, if he ends up not being in the movie, I'll be like, okay, fine. I'm not predicting that it's going to happen. I'm not like an avid supporter of that rumor or, you know, a huge fan of that character or something like that. But, um, I just thought it was interesting that, like, uh, everybody's saying that's debunked. I wouldn't quite say that yet, but I don't know. We'll see. Yep. It's going to live on. <laughs> I don't think it's officially dead. Yeah. And then, of course, aside from that behind-the-scenes video, I think the you know the huge highlight of the panel was then them bringing out the original cast members. They had Carrie Fisher come out. They had Mark Hamill come out. Um, and, you know, they, they talked to them for a while uh kind of made it seem like that was it that was you know everybody that was going to be on the panel and then um chris hardwick asked jj abrams he's like by the way you know how is harrison ford doing after his plane crash and everything and jj's like well why don't you ask him yourself and harrison ford came out and everybody went nuts the crowd went wild (laughs) yeah like i mean i could even tell just from the video and like i said that you know they obviously didn't have the audience turned up very loud but um i was like that reaction was probably bigger than anything we got at Celebration. Except for maybe our reaction after the first trailer when we saw Han and Chewie, you know, yeah. on screen. <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, I mean, people just went nuts. And then, I mean, it was really cool, too, to just see the three of them together talking Star Wars again. And to see, I mean, I I don't know how the best way is to put this, but, you know, especially at Comic-Con, when people are talking about movies that they're in, obviously, they're probably, like, getting paid by the studio to just hype it up more. And, you know, nobody is going to say, like, well, I had a fun time filming this movie, but the story wasn't that great, so you guys shouldn't go see it when it comes out. Like, (laughs) everybody is going to talk up their own movie and make it sound good. But just the way that everybody involved in this project is talking about it, um, and especially the original actors, and especially Harrison Ford and some of the things he said, and, I mean, some of the things that we've heard him say in the past about... um, you know, some of the things he didn't like about being involved in Star Wars or some of the issues he had with George Lucas as a director or whatever. Um, you know that, you know, he could have just come out and been like, oh, yeah, well, I'm happy to be back and the movie's going to be good and, uh, you know, have a good time, everybody. But, I mean, he really seemed genuine in some of the stuff he said about, I mean, he said something like, coming back to Star Wars 30 years later, like it should have felt ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like it was 30 years ago. We've moved on. I grew up, but I will tell you it felt great. Um, And I mean, he seemed really appreciative of the fans, really appreciative just to have been a part of the movie. I mean, it it almost seemed to be, you know, some of the stuff coming back full circle in a way, because um, even though he didn't directly acknowledge like some of his criticism of it in the past, he, he said something that was basically along the lines of like, Look, at the end of the day, um, you know, Star Wars really was my first, uh, you know, what really first got me into acting. I mean, he had had like a couple of roles before that, but this was obviously his big breakout role. And that led to Indiana Jones and all the other stuff he's done. So he he did acknowledge that, like, um, you know, I kind of owe my career to Star Wars and to George Lucas and I'll forever be thankful for that. Um, and then, you know, just talking about the, the experience of coming back to it and being excited. And he also, he talked about the script and said, when I read the script, I read something that was like beautiful and well-written. And I was like, wow, like that's not normal, just kind of PR hype talk. Like, you know, I've never heard Robert Downey Jr. say about an Avengers movie that he read something that was beautiful and well-written with the script. You know, it's always like, oh yeah, I like this character and I'm interested to find out what makes them tick and yada, yada, yada. But um, I don't know. I mean, again, I'm part of me is still trying not to get like too hyped up for this movie, just, you know, to <laughs> wait and see for when it comes out before I just decide it's going to be the best movie ever. But at the same time, I mean, there, there's just this vibe about it and about everyone who's involved with it that I, I don't have a bad feeling about this. I have a good feeling about this and I have a feeling that this is going to be something special. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just got that whole vibe, like you said, throughout the whole panel, but especially when Harrison Ford came out. It was such a epic moment for this, I would say, for Star Wars, because to see the big three again together in the same room talking about Star Wars almost 40 years later since uh, A New Hope came out, I mean, it was something special to see. And adding to it was what you were talking about with what Harrison Ford said. I mean, you said it before, Al, it should be ridiculous coming back to Star Wars, but when I got on the set, it was great. And then just how moved he was with the script, really, is how he calling it remarkable, really well-written. It was happy to be a part of the story and the cast again. So it just yeah, it makes you think how going into it, I mean, yeah, he wanted to do it, and I mean, obviously he was excited to do it. But then, but it still sounded like it didn't seem very special as far as him to, like, 
actually go back to Han Solo until he actually got back into the role and doing it again. So it was just great to hear that. I think he even when watching, he got emotional. It almost sounded like he was coming to tears and uh, it would just really sound special to see. So that was a great way to wrap up the panel. It was just so amazing to see the big three together again. And just with the other cast members too, the, the new big three, I guess with uh, John Boyega, Daisy Ridley and Oscar Isaac, and then the bad three with Oscar, with a, uh, uh, Donald Gleason, Gwendolyn Chrisley, and Adam Driver. So just seeing all of them together on stage was just really, really cool. So we didn't get a trailer in this panel, but we got an awesome behind-the-scenes video footage, and it was just awesome to see the whole cast up there topping it off with Harrison Ford. So, yeah, it was amazing. I was entranced when I was watching it, <laughs> seeing all, all of those cast members together again. It was special. Yeah, it was certainly you know, fantastic. I mean, uh, for those of you who weren't at Comic-Con, which is probably most of us, but, um, if you haven't seen it yet, you know, there's video on YouTube of the entire panel and it's, uh, definitely worth a watch. Yeah. Um, and then of course for people who were actually there at Comic-Con, they got an even better surprise at the end of the panel, which was, um, you know, J.J. Abrams was like, Hey, uh, you know, as we wrap up here, like who wants to go to a Star Wars concert? And, they, I guess they had like arranged this with the city of San Diego that they had, you know, blocked off like a half mile between uh, the convention center and this outdoor concert venue. And all 6,500 people in Hall H got up and filed out and walked to this other area and they all got, uh, you know, free toy Hasbro lightsabers and they got to sit there waving their lightsabers and watch a star wars concert you know like if you if any of you got to go to the the star wars in concert tour that they did a few years ago where it's like a live orchestra playing the music and they're showing movie clips on the screen and stuff it seems like it was like that but maybe like a shorter version i mean from what i heard i think they played maybe like six or eight tracks or something like that um and then ended it with you know the main star wars theme and they shot off fireworks while that was going and i'm just like Man, that has got to just be one of those experiences that, I mean, for those people, they're never going to forget. Because, yeah. um, again, I, I mean, you go to Comic-Con expecting, uh, you know, cool stuff. You expect that if you go to the Star Wars panel, you're going to get to hear J.J. Abrams. You're going to get to see most of the cast. You might have even ex been expecting to see Harrison Ford. You were probably expecting to see a cool new video. You didn't expect them to give you a free outdoor concert with yeah. fireworks <laughs> and Star Wars music and you know, free toy lightsaber to boot. Like that yeah, escorted is escorted by stormtroopers awesome. too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's true. They got escorted by stormtroopers. And then when they, when they got there, you know, all the cast members came out on stage again, like with toy lightsabers and John Boyega apparently like ran across the stage and was like smacking his lightsaber against the, the sabers <laughs> of the fans in the front row of the audience. And, um, man, it was just, I mean, just reading those reports and stuff, I was like, man, I would have killed to be there. Like, that was just so cool. Yeah, but I mean, we were wondering, oh, are they going to, like, debut new music from The Force Awakens there? That's, like, the big thing about this. But they didn't. But it's just, like you said, just cool to get an unexpected Star Wars concert <laughs> that all the people in Hall H were able to go to. I love how J.J. Abrams announced it, too. It's like he said, who wants to go to a Star Wars concert? But... We only have room for everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> everybody just went crazy. So even the walk there must have been fun. Like I said, being escorted by stormtroopers throughout the streets of San Diego and then afterwards just experiencing a night out of experiencing Star Wars music. It's got to be awesome. So, yeah, this is an amazing way for 
Lucasfilm and uh, Comic-Con and I guess the city of San Diego to organize this for the fans to experience this. So Yeah, definitely. And and people thought it was cool that J.J. Abrams, you know, bought donuts for the people in line who were waiting there, you know, first thing in the morning. But, um, you know, it's like on top of that, oh, yeah, we also organized a free Star Wars concert for you guys. Like, I mean, it, it's really cool to see them treating the fans like that and, uh, you know, show their, their appreciation. So um, I, I have... Uh, very good feeling, like I said, that all of our dedication and support will be uh, well rewarded when the movie comes out in December. So, yeah, um, can't wait for that. Um, but yeah, I think we're we're just about ready to wrap up our uh, our Comic Con episode here. Uh, shout out to our buddy Paul for uh, you know we we were all skyping during the Star Wars panel and uh, you know keeping up with all the the live tweets and stuff. Um, and trying to see all the cool new images and stuff like that. Even as I was like driving on my way home from work and I was Skyping you guys on my phone, um, with, you know, my, my hands-free Bluetooth thing in my car, of course. So I wasn't like <laughs> crashing into stuff while I was trying to, you know, read Twitter or whatever. But, um, that was a whole lot of fun. Just, you know, keeping up with that panel with you guys and just talking Star Wars all night. Yeah, but, it was um, really cool. I mean, we couldn't be there in person, but that's not like the next best thing in an experience with fellow Star Wars fans and friends. So, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, good stuff. We're, we're super excited about all this. Um, and you know, can't wait to bump up the excitement again when we get the next bit of info or a new trailer or something at a convention or force Friday, or of course, you know, when the movie comes out, we're, our, our, we're just going to be losing our minds and be through the roof. But, um, man, it is closer, certainly, man. <laughs> yeah, we, we say this all the time. It is a great time to be a star Wars fan. There is just so much cool, exciting stuff going on right now. So um, you know, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. You can uh, like us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. Check out our website, uh, StarWarsTSC.com. And if you would like to send us emails with your thoughts, comments, questions, etc., uh, you can email us at StarWarsTSC at gmail.com. Um, and, uh, you know, of course we, we love hearing, uh, stuff from you guys. We'll occasionally, you know, read emails or tweets or whatever from, uh, some of our friends and listeners on here. Um, so great to always hear from you guys. Great to be talking Star Wars. Thank you guys for tuning in and, uh, sharing all this with us. We will see you next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Uh-huh.